This podcast is part of the TPG. There's Chris from the Horror Comics Podcast, there's Eric from the Legendary Gigots Podcast, and there's Crumbs from the Crumbs of Gotham Podcast, and of course, there is us. So please, guys, go and support my boys. Hey guys, I just want to apologize for the audio quality on my audio in this podcast. It's not that bad. It's really not that bad, but I sound kind of distant, almost tinny, and you can actually hear me typing on my keyboard and like flipping pages through my notes and me swirling my glass on the desk going like you can hear that stuff better it's almost like my microphone is aimed down towards my desk away from me speaking up here it was really weird i don't know what's going on i've never experienced it and all the time that i've been doing this it's really strange. Uh, like I said, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, you can still hear me and everything, but uh, it's it's totally just uncharacteristic of usually what I get from my setup. So I just want to say I'm sorry, And uh, but it's a really good episode. We had a lot of fun. Uh, it, it's a really good episode, so please enjoy. Welcome to Grapes and Capes, the podcast that combines two different forms of geekery, comics, and wine. I'm Joey. And this is Mike. What's up, man? Hey, how are you? Excellent. Uh, I'm feeling a lot better than last time. You're feeling a lot better than last time, which is great. And really we got great. an awesome, yeah, we got an awesome episode lined up here. We got a really fun one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We had, uh, you know, we had some time to like really come up with some interesting choices this week. Yes. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm contemplating what to to uh, call this, what the name for the, for this episode should be. I'm thinking off the beaten path, yeah, because there is a point and that that fits well in the comic that you chose for mm-hmm. off the beaten path, or the road less traveled, um, because we'll be tasting wines that not a lot of people know of, wines from Bulgaria, and we got two indie comics yeah, that we're going right. to read. So you know, it's things that people might not know about other than the big three or wines from California or France or things that people know a lot about or at least know exist. Um, so yeah, man. Um, <laughs> if you, uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you go to, uh, at grapes and capes. That's the letter N grapes and capes, or you can go to grapesandcapes.com to our website. There's a lot of stuff on there. It'll lead you to my wine blog, but now it's, you know, mostly about the podcast. Uh, but you can go through all the reviews and all the articles that I've written for the last six years. Um, but the same thing too on Facebook, it's the Wine Stalker. It's Stalker, as in like stalking people and not you know, stalking wine. It's the stalking <laughs> shelves with wine. And uh, so the Wine Stalker on Facebook at the Wine Stalker on Instagram. I share all the uh, all the info for the podcast on that account on those accounts too. So yeah, so we've got Bulgarian wine. And um, it is from, these wines are from Kristova Family Partners. Kristova Family Partners. K-R-I-S-T-O-V-A. And if you want to learn more about them, you go to KristovaFamilyPartners.com. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Supplying these wines for us. 
Thank you, Alice and Matt. They're the ones who I talked to. They're very excited about it. And uh, we are going to be reading. What was your choice to read tonight for an indie comic? Well, I went I went back um, and, and chose The Authority. Uh, that was from Wildstorm back in the day. This one is actually um, like a, a mini arc called The Magnificent Kevin, which uh, stars one of the more um, colorful characters in the Authority universe. Yours is Wildstorm, right? Right. So this, And this was before it was part of DC. Is, exactly. Yeah, because, I mean, if you guys, if you're on the the DC app or DC universe. This is also on DC universe because they now own Wildstorm. Just in case you guys want to check it out. Yeah. Now check it out. And then I chose divinity from Valiant and, um, by, uh, I should have been more prepared for the, the comic part. <laughs> kind. It's Valiant. Yeah. It's, but, uh, it's by Matt kind. I'm sorry. I should have known that on the top of my head. And let's get on to, uh, talking about some wine. And then we'll get into the comics. All right. Absolutely. So Bulgaria. It's a country in the Balkans. Um, Okay. And, and, um, I mean, we see Bulgarians around here all the time. Absolutely. This is is one of the hot spots that they come over to. We live on Cape Cod. A lot of them come over here. Uh, So we we see a lot of Bulgarians all over the place. I am friends with one. And uh, he is awesome. And uh, let's see. So they've they've been making wine. For 3,000 years, the what? Bulgarians. Really? 3,000 years they've been making wine. One of the very first cultures to cultivate wine. Um, okay. I used to do a Bulgarian wine month on my wine blog. Oh, okay. And yeah, and so I would get all these different Bulgarian wines and the whole month would be dedicated to that. So I wrote articles about the history of Bulgarian wine and stuff. So I'm kind of cheating off my own work here. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... So around uh, ten uh, around 1000 BCE, the Thracians moved into Bulgaria, and they named this you know they called it Thrace, um, and that's where you know they started planting grapes there and everything. And we're actually going to see two of these wines are actually from Thracian Valley, which is a region in uh, in Bulgaria. Okay. Uh, and so I mean these guys were like just ruthless warriors, heavy drinkers, and stuff like that. Um, so, and they're pretty cool if you guys look up some history on the Thracians and everything. Um, but one thing, one really cool thing, yeah. and it was probably not cool for them, for the Bulgarians, uh, from uh, 755 to 814 lived a man called Krum. Krum? Krum, yep. Okay. So, this is, so 755, he was born, and this is CE, the common era, so AD. Then they called, he, was the, he became the Khan of Bulgaria. Okay. And so he was in 808. 803, he became the Khan, and they called him like names like the fearsome. He was he was Chrome the fearsome, the horrible, the formidable, and the dreadful. Like this guy was like crazy dude. Like, yeah. and I mean, there was one time where he surrounded the city of Sofia, and he said, "If you guys surrender, I'll let everybody go. Just surrender, and I'll let everybody go." Everybody go. Well, while everybody was walking out, uh, he he killed six thousand of them. Wow. Yeah, one of those things. Like. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah. Whoops. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. I take it back. He so he wasn't happy with like the how drunk his people were. So yeah. he actually put like prohibition into place. And really? um, yeah. So he put a prohibition 
you know, ordering all the vineyards to be destroyed and all that, and just intoxic intoxication was illegal. Um, but of course, it was largely ignored. You know, most people still drank, and even Crum himself didn't. Um, and then they got they were getting attacked by the Byzantines at one point, and uh, he, the emperor came. Does. Yes, they, so they came in while while Crum was actually away. They came into the capital city at the time, which was Preslav, and and they just went in and they just kind of just tore through the city, murdered the citizens and all that, and they went to Crum's. They took Crum's personal possessions, like even everything in his wine bowls, all of his wine. They stole all of it, right? And so, and but no, no, they they slaughtered all his people and everything. And though, and so, Crum was pissed, obviously, but he was able to, when when their Byzantines were going back, he was able to uh, use the mountains. They were going through this one part of the mountains, and he was able to attack them from from above and just rocks on them that, and then just come down. Yeah, and just come down from the mountains and just surprise them, and they're basically trapped in this like ravine. And he just slaughtered all of them, and they brought the emperor to him, emperor to him into his tent. So he killed the emperor and he cut off his head. Yeah, and then he stuck the emperor's head onto and onto a stick, and he had that for a little bit. But what he did is he took the skull of that emperor and he turned it into a drinking cup. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so he would drink his wine from the skull of his enemy, literally. And, um, yeah. Ruthless. (laughs) Yep. Um, and so, so what this ties into with our first wine that we're going to try. So legend has it that one of Crumb's many pet lions escaped its cage and angrily started killing the good people of the city. And that same night, a a peasant man named Maverick, I mean, he was drunk. Uh, He actually stole his mother's his mother's wine and got drunk and then he met the angry lion and defending himself he actually killed the lion wait so he wait he was drunk and he was able to fight off a lion yes probably because he was drunk it's probably so somehow he was able to kill this lion right uh which is illegal you know destroying the the you know con the con's property basically yeah. so he went up and he so he's put on trial you know for death and all that and his mother you know confessed uh, and pleaded and and wanted to have it blamed on her because it was her wine and all that <laughs> and so crumb like he because he was so impressed with how me how brave maverick was that and and realizing that he did this because he was intoxicated he lifted prohibition. <laughs> so instead of killing, you know, it's executing yeah. Maverick, um, he actually lifted prohibition because he wanted all of his citizens to be just as brave as Maverick. <laughs> so, um, oh, wow. Uh, but that's how the story goes, though. I mean, that could be just a, a just a myth, something that was yeah. made up. Uh, and so, and even, I mean, it, it could be that the grape, the story is that you know the grape was named after, after Maverick, this character here. But right. it's probably more likely that this character is created because of the grape kind of thing, a story for the grape kind of, you know, kind of like right. They were they, you know selling a selling a product with a good story, a folk tale through the years. Folk tale, yeah, absolutely. You know, because this grape has been around for a long time in Bulgaria, so it's probably just some kind of folk tale that was created and everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, Bulgaria's been making wine for a really long time. Uh, when they were under con- communism, they were making like really 
really cheap bulk wine. Yeah. Um, and nothing really of really good quality. Uh, but now they are really starting to make really good stuff. And I'm very impressed with their wine, uh, especially if you get your hands on a Cabernet or a Merlot. They kill it with those. They absolutely kill it. And um, <clears throat> But we have all native grapes here. These are all native grapes to Bulgaria. And our very first one that we're going to do is a Maverick. Two of these wines are red, and one of them is white. We're going to save the white one for the last, just because it's not sweet, uh, but it's very, very juicy. It has almost like this very sweet quality to it, and we don't want the, that to that to destroy the reds. Usually, you start with white, but usually, you know, when you get like a sweet white, you save that towards the end. That's dessert. Yeah. So we're going to grab that Maverick. So Maverick is a smaller grape. Low yielding, it's late ripening, and it is the number one top selling wine within the country of Bulgaria. Really? And yep, uh, and not uh, a local wine, not uh, overall. I believe probably Cabernet is probably the top selling, but the uh, you know the uh, native grapes it is the number one. So it's kind of it's a their flagship native grape. Yeah. So this one is Eduardo Miraglio. And this is, so this is their EM Maverick 2015. 100% uh, Maverick. And it spent 12 months in uh, Bulgarian oak. It's out of Thracian Valley. And Thracian Valley, the, so the country of Bulgaria is a, overall split into two different larger regions. On the very top, you got the Nub Danubian Plains. And in the south, you've got the Thracian lowlands, and within each one is different subregions within there. So Thracian lowlands is in the southern region of the Thracian Thracian Valley is within the southern region of the Thracian lowlands, wow. and it's right in the middle too. It's very different, huh? Yeah, I'm trying to like wrap my head around it a little bit. It's you know it's it's got a nice balance to it. I mean, it's very like. There's a softness. Um, oh, was it the tannins? The tannins are kind of soft. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, on the nose, I'm getting spearmint. Almost like spearmint gum. Yeah, I can get that. What's that? Like, I can't. I'm not pinning the red fruit. like and i want to say like fruit low fruit roll up well that's a, that's what it's like it's yeah. like the aroma of fruit but yeah. it's not fruit so yeah like fruit roll up kind of yeah candy-ish exactly something very sweet mm -hmm. some nice pepper on it herbal it's very i mean it's very gritty it's you know very hard to explain, especially because it because it's so different. It's like your yeah, you can. It's like on your tongue, mm. and it gets very earthy on the mid palate. And, oh, it's it's definitely. I feel like it's maybe it's because I'm a wine novice, but to me, it feels like it's complex. Like it is. Definitely some things that are challenging about it that I am are 
outside my wheelhouse. <laughs> yep. Yes. Um, and I, I totally forgot to uh, figure out how much these things cost. So I'm going to look that up. Uh, but man, it, it, it is... It's very good. It's just very different. <laughs> and Maverick, the ones that I've had, they're all just so outside of what we're used to tasting here. Yeah. Um, almost like I kind of like tobacco on there too. It doesn't. Yeah, it has that kind of like leafy, like you know, old. Old leaves, mm-hmm. sort of. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like right. In fact, right. There's dead leaves all around us. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. No, you nailed that. Nailed that. Yep. That's interesting. That's yeah. definitely a fall wine in my book. Then. Yeah, it, oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, what would what do you that, think you'd pair this with? What would you have? With I this? mean, what I would do uh, if it was me, I would, after having raked the leaves off my backyard, I would come out there with my wife, sit down, each of us have a glass of that, enjoy that that newly tilled kind of top layer of earth and and leaf refuse that's been kind of kicked up into the air you know that smell that fall smell yep and just sip that air in while you're sipping the wine in nice just i think you'd get that would be such an experience to to try you know just to connect through you know not just what you're like through what you're drinking into the environment Mm -hmm. like just have that flavor connection that's even oh man like I'm even starting to get almost like it's funny because once you started like talking about like the fallish flavor like smell of this thing I'm even almost getting almost like a cider now that might just be my mind fucking with me after <laughs> you mention no, that there's it's a, there's some spice to it yeah there is some spice to it and and you know cider and all that stuff has like a lot of acid so there's always that taste sensation of spice so there's that physical cinnamon, connection between yeah. the two cinnamon and stuff. Yeah, man, you're right. I mean, you could just spend all night just trying to figure this thing out. It's like a darker flavor. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's not, you know, the flavor isn't bad and because I'm saying dark. Yep. What I'm saying is that it's like of a, a more sort of, it's a little more concealed. It makes you work to get to get at whatever's underneath, mm-hmm. you know, you really have to take your time and enjoy it. Yeah. And that's what made me think, you know, well, why not have something that is going to be that challenging for your palate to take in, not because of the wine, but because your palate has never had the opportunity to taste something like this. Right. Yep. And it's like you can feel it teaching you, but just having it out there, taking your time with it, enjoying the night that that fresh, that fresh smell from a newly raked yard in the fall, 
really I feel like would connect. You know, if you wanted to serve it with something, I don't know. I'm kind of up in the air, like what you would serve it with food wise. I, I, that, this would be a good Thanksgiving wine, to be honest. So, I mean, definitely something that has like, I don't, I don't want to say oily, but maybe more of a fatty, mm-hmm. like a smoother kind of fatty uh, flavor to it. I think you just know what that is when you have it. Right. Yeah. But, um, well, their, their suggestions is foie gras, which would be fatty. <laughs> uh, yeah, true. Cherry jelly, uh, beetroot puree, and brioche. So, beetroot puree. Yeah. Wow. That's such a random thing. <laughs> I'm still trying to. I mean, I'll have to try that. <laughs> Yeah, that is kind of that's a that's a weird thing. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's that's something that's uh, common over there. I don't know. Um, well, it's like they say foie gras, cherry jelly, beetroot puree. I mean, the tri- and brioche. So they're just white. You know, they're putting it on toast. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're also trying to be fancy. Exactly. <laughs> the foie gras, foie gras is fancy. Mm-hmm. Foie gras is delicious. It is. Yes, it is. Sorry, Keith. <laughs> Um, all right. Yeah, man. I cannot, I cannot find a price on this. Really? Yeah, I cannot. Um, it's not available in our state, unfortunately. I wish it was. Um, and the, the thing about this wine though, is I can't wait to see what it's going to be like once it opens up, like, oh, yeah. you know, revisiting it tomorrow. Um, you know, once it's got some time to see how it develops, because I think I think you're probably going to get a little more, because um, it does have a nice acidity, acidity kick at the end. At yeah. the very end, it does the acidity does kick up. So I think you might be going to be getting a little more red fruit come out um, once it's been sitting there for a little bit. Um, but man, I like it, and I like I like how different it is. Absolutely, I think it's tasty. I mean, it's you know, it definitely. You want something to challenge you, you know. So you, you, sometimes you get in a rut, and you just you, you feel like you're drinking the same thing, mm-hmm. you know, every a variation of the same thing. And you know, once in a while, you can have something like this, which makes you think. Yep, mm-hmm. I like that. And from from a place that you um, might not not have ever seen wine from before, from a place you may have never thought about before. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah. Um, and, and that's the thing too, is like, you know, Bulgaria, um, they're, they're very big into, into wine. They've always been big into wine. They've never been into like beer. They got a few breweries there yeah. and everything. They're into brandy, obviously, because that's used wine to make brandy and stuff. Their brandy is called Reikia. Um, and, but they, that's very, very much part of their culture. Um, but it's something that doesn't make it to us very often it did back in like the 80s but that was that cheap really cheap stuff that they were just yeah. pumping out yeah dude that was a good maverick i like it now on to some comics man <laughs> let's drink some wine we're gonna enjoy this maybe it'll open up while we're while we're doing this um so that was the first one we got two more we're gonna talk about these two different comics and we'll have one in between. Um, this one is mine. We're going to start off with mine. And we're going to start off with mine because yours gets um, uh, kind of uh, vulgar. 
vulgar. Yeah. <laughs> you say vulgar, I say funny. Funny. It is funny. It is very funny. Uh, however, I mean, this being some people who might be listening to this for the, the wine part of it, I figure we'll save that one for last. <laughs> and just, you know, for forewarning, um, the the second comic that we're gonna do, um, you might you might be like, Ew, what is this? <laughs> right? So I don't want to scare anybody away by starting opening up with what that comic starts up with. Um, <laughs> so so this one uh, uh, this is by Valiant Comics, and the story is called Divinity. So the writer is Matt Kind, the penciler is Trevor Hairseen, anchor is Ryan Wynn. The colorist is David Barron. Letters are by David Lamphere. And um, it is from 2015. And I first saw this in 2019. It was part of um, Free Comic Book Day. Or oh, no, wow. No, and was it? I think it came out around Free Comic Book Day, but it was like what they call, it was calling a $1 debut. Like the first yeah. the first issue, like they put out there for a dollar. Um so I thought, and I didn't realize it said, no, I thought it was, it wasn't a reprint. I thought it was like new and like, it was just like $1 debut. This is a new one. You get it for a dollar kind of thing. I didn't realize it was actually, um, you know, already printed actually all in uh, volumes too. Like you can buy the whole thing in a book. And that's what I did. As soon as I finished reading this one, I got everything. Oh, wow. I got the whole thing. The thing is huge. Um, all three, I think it's like three or four volumes in one huge book, just the omnibus basically. And it, it is amazing. So this is Divinity. And we, we open up with a child in the snow. Um, his skin is a uh, darker color. He's, he's, uh, he's not African-American, but he is definitely of African descent. And it says, actually, we don't know if he's African-American, but he does not grow up African-American. Uh, but his name is Ab no. Abram Adams. Uh, Abram Adams was abandoned on the doorstep of the Russian foreign minister in the winter of 1941 and that's kind of a weird name to have in russia adams yeah. i don't know if that's i don't know um uh, is that yeah. i don't know um the time and date are irrelevant just a page to dog ear to be dog-eared and turn to when the mood arises and i love that like it's like uh, sometimes you just like put a like a you know a dog ear on your book and, yeah. you know, to, to turn back to, or th that's why I, when I read a book, like a novel, or cause I read a lot of science books and, and stuff like that, I prefer having the physical thing because I feel like it's easier right. to flip back in a physical book than like in a digital, you know, like yeah. it's hard to go back. I, I understand that. Yeah. I mean, it's taken me a while to get used to, to digital. I mean, like I grew up during the whole digital age. Right. So takes time yeah I'm, I'm sure it does i just never really like i just always prefer to be able to to sit there with a the physical book and just be able to like turn back to a certain point but like and like it's saying here then i wouldn't even you know i wouldn't dog ear things yeah. but like it's like kind of like that term you know like you're well, able to flip back to that point. standpoint though mm -hmm. you know this actually works out because you have your physical books that you don't have to open and and handle often mm -hmm you can have this digital component where you can actually enjoy the book that you you've purchased. Yes. I know, I know uh, Marvel does a digital, digital copy or they were doing digital copies. They still uh, are. For a long time. Yeah. Every single, every single comic that you get from Marvel, you get a code. 
to get a free digital copy. And DC doesn't do that for a while there. They were doing the, just the monthly ones. And then they, yeah. they stopped doing it. It's like, you cheap bastards. Come on. That's too bad. That's too a, bad that man. was a smart play by, by Marvel. A very smart play, man. Because, I mean, why not? You got your money for the, you got probably, you know, you got, you got your money from the physical copy and everything. Just hand out that yeah. digital one, you know, and, and introduce people into the digital world. I mean, that's, that's what, if anything, that's what it's going to do. It's going to introduce people yeah. to the digital world. And then they're going to go onto your app and then they're going to buy more things that they can't get physically. Right. I, I, I mean, that, it's called marketing. <laughs> I mean, that's like, that's marketing your product. Yeah. I mean, you're giving away something for free, like this version of this, but that's only going to lead to more sales on that platform. It's brilliant. I don't, why, I don't a, know why DC yeah, doesn't do absolutely. it. Absolutely. Well, here's the thing though. Maybe it's Warner Brothers that, that keeps yeah, it. I know. Things like that, that. That's, yeah, you know? yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, that's, that's just, you know, sometimes you don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's, I mean, as we've seen with their movies and everything, um, Warner Brothers has uh, has really affected them. But anyways, so so we have this baby in the snow in front of the steps, and we have this um, a narrator speaking. It says, a favorite section of the book to be reread when the passage of time erodes the memory. Like I said, you can go back and go back to maybe something you forgot about very easily uh, a memory like an old woman's worry beads smooth and polished from use and then we see this this man standing in front of this house with a baby in the basket and he's got like this like almost like this uh, this cosmonaut suit and with like these things on the back and the uh, like hoses coming out the sides of it and everything and mm. yeah he's just sitting there watching the baby and um and then it moves on to further on in his life, where you find out that he's he belongs to the state, obviously. And um, Abram Adams' adoptive parents eventually died, and he was taken in by the state. His potential was recognized, and he was given the best that the motherland could offer. He was groomed by those in power to be something greater. The state saw him as a symbol of the Soviet Union's superiority. And then we see him watching. He's so he's you know he's going to school, he's learning all this stuff, um, and he's basically you know he's in. in the military and everything. And then we see him eating his lunch with the TV in front of him. And, uh, it's the, and he's watching like the race riots in the United States. Um, yeah. And, and I think it's, you know, meanwhile, he's in, he's in the Soviet union. He's black. And then a white man sits down with him and just calling him Conrad and totally equal. And, and he's complimenting him saying that he's, you know, the smartest of all of us and all that. And, and so there's this mission that he's up for. And this is where, where, where it pulled me in. Um, he simply enjoyed the science. And it has his teacher say, the biggest hurdle is time. We have the technology, technology to travel to distant stars, but we do not have the lifespan, which is why we must change our perception of time. Time is not absolute. Just as we become masters of space and distance, we must understand the true qualities of time as it relates to distance. Um, and, I mean, that's absolutely true. Like, we can, we're, we're stuck here. Like, we can't space travel. Our, you know, our all the our lifespan is not long enough to even to get to even if we could get to uh, you know light speed. Right. Uh, it, it, the time that would well, I always, yeah. I always thought that you know once we get to the point where we can, I mean, if we can travel at light speed one day, yep. I mean, the place just before that is like almost light speed, and 
even that is pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, and if you think about all the technology that had to go into it, I mean, there's probably been some advancement at some point that extends human lives or, mm-hmm. you know, makes people strong and never sick or something. But Yeah. Well, I mean, well, the whole thing is because I, uh, in Carl Sagan's uh, Cosmos, which I haven't read in a long time, I should read it again. He, he, he breaks it down, basically. He, he breaks it down that, like, so in order to get to the closest star that has a planet that could possibly have life or that we could actually live on, it, it would right. take, I can't remember how many, I think, I think he said at light speed, if we ever figure out how to travel in light speed, it would take five years. But you also need, if for the people on the ship, it would take five years because of relativity, right? So it, for them, right. it, five years would pass. Uh, but also you need to factor in safety, speeding up to that point and then slowing down safely. So he said, it's probably you're talking like seven years for these people on this thing. And, um, yeah. and then you're talking, now they got to come back. And by the time, but while there, while it's only been 14 years for them, or even who knows how long they'll stay on that planet, right? If they, when they come right. back, um, the, I can't remember exactly how much time, but like everybody that they know would be dead because time is different for everybody that's on earth. And like, I can't, it was something ridiculous where like, I mean, entire civilization could be different. That's how long it would be. Right. So how crazy would that be? If you were, if you were on a, a secret mission and you had to go into outer space to this new world mm-hmm. and you were going to do this like light speed thing and you do it, and just before you get to the planet, we get there. Like the, the time is sped up where we are, and those people have managed a way to get there first yeah. before you even get right. There. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Well, and, and also we. I mean, <clears throat> that's also another thing too. Is there? They know. Well. Oh. First, let's tackle this, and then we'll talk about it being uh, get, getting beaten to the to the, you know doing something because that's the whole purpose of why they're doing this mission. Um, so uh, yeah, so he you know he loved science. He enjoyed dreaming. Abram also had a hunger for discovery, a hunger to reveal the secrets of the unknown. And then so he gets called in for this mission because you know he was up for the mission and everything. And he really he he finds out that you know they want him to do this mission and. What they're going to do, what the space program that he's in is going to do, is they, they're going to send him to the outer reaches of mm. the universe. The United States right now is trying just trying to go to the moon. Well, we don't want to beat them to the moon. We're going to go even further. We're going to go out to the outer reaches of the universe. And so this person needs to be strong. Uh, they need to be able to handle a lot. They need to ha- have any loved ones. And that's one of the things. His parents mm-hmm. are dead. Um, his, you know, his adopted parents are dead and everything. This man that he goes in to meet on the mission, and he says, we have selected you for the most important mission of our lifetimes. We intend on winning the Cold War against the United States. We must not only beat them to space, we must surpass their thinking and understanding of it as well. They are aiming for the moon. No, yeah, they are aiming for the moon. We are aiming for the very edge of the galaxy. We intend to stake a claim to the borders of our reality. We have a rocket and a plan that will take you farther than anyone has ever gone. This will be a 30-year mission enabled by a series of cryogenic chambers. That is why it is critical 
to find a, a recruit with no ties to family. Personal relationships are forbidden. You will not return home for 30 years. You will give yourself to the state and the state will be who you are. You will become everything our great nation represents. Strength, perseverance, commitment. Do you accept this great honor? And he says, yes, Conrad. And then we see him running through the rain and he entered the program. He's going to do it. And he was constantly monitored. They were constantly watching him. Um, and, you know, especially physically, mentally, he was a huge investment for them. And uh, nothing could be left to chance. And so we see him, you know, he's being told that he's the perfect specimen. He's at a doctor. He's the perfect specimen of health and fitness. And you're doing very well. So he goes through all this different stuff. Uh, he's getting shots and everything. His, his immune system needed to be increased. So they did all this stuff to, uh, you know, up his vitamins and, and everything. And he needed to be able to, to withstand, uh, he needed to be able to stand all this travel that he's going to go. So he yeah. needs to be in top physical performance because, I mean, dude, you're getting blasted off into space and you're going <laughs> pretty fast through, fast, fast through space and everything. And uh, he says, the doctor says, you will remain in, semi in a semi-conscious dreamlike state so that your mind can cope with prolonged isolation. And uh, the entire this entire thing is classified, right? So they're being, like the United States is being very vocal about wanting to go to the moon and that they're doing this thing and everything. While this this whole thing from them is under wraps, and that's kind of the thing that I don't get. Like, why would you like? Yeah, you're doing it, but it, when he eventually goes out, they don't even t say anything when he eventually goes out. Like they weren't even going right. to announce it until he came back. So it's one of those weird things where, like, um, <laughs> this either works or we don't see. Yeah, anything. yeah, but like, I mean, it's a thirty-year mission. You want to beat them to the? It, it's it's weird. Um, but anyways, we, we find out that he does have a loved one, um, and he he has a girlfriend. So he, well, it says he wasn't nervous. However, it felt as inevitable as turning the next page in a book. It was as if he was reading his life as it progressed, and he could feel the book. He could feel the pages. Hundreds of pages left a turn before he would get to the end of the story. The state worried that the pressure might get to him, but he did not. He knew there was much more to come. This was the beginning. And we see him just walking, th walking through the streets. He's got his hat on. He's got his collar up and everything. And he's, like, he's making sure, you can tell, he's making sure that he's not being followed. And he goes to different places. He buys flowers, and he sneaks into this house. That's when we see his girlfriend just basically tackle him. <laughs> and every turn of the page brought a new page. Uh, every turn of the page brought a new page, but it also left a page behind. Um, and then his girlfriend's like, you're late, but you brought flowers. You're lucky this time. Yep, I'm sure he did. Yep. Did you notice in the page before mm -hmm. that, before that, when he's looking in the, the window, yep. Oh, it's this future reflection on the yeah, left. Yeah, I did not this time though. Yeah, yep. I never noticed. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah. Oh, his, wow. his future self is all over this, um, and his future self we're about to we're about to meet right now. But that was the man in the very beginning, that cosmonaut with that right. thing. He's watching him being chopped off, basically. Um, now we now we meet a new character in this guy. His name is David Camp. And this is another dog-eared page. So his name is David Kemp. He lives in Australia. And he went off to uh, go climbing. He's, he's a, a cliff climber. <laughs> I'm not sure. What do they call those? 
uh, a free climber. climber? I, I don't know. I'm not sure what the term is. But he he woke up early in the morning. He was there with his friends and everything. He left the camp, and he went he went to go rock climbing. Um, and so he's way up. He's way up on this cliff. He's actually almost to the top. He said, "I got this. Just a matter of figuring out which step to take first. And it says this is the place where he finds peace. And then he slips. He slips like he's trying to get up to the top. He slips. And he almost falls. But then, at the very top, we see this man in the spacesuit, and it is our boy. <laughs> and he's, yeah. but he's got white eyes. He doesn't have the pupils or anything, right? And he, he's up top. He's got this suit on and everything, and he's got his hand outreach. He's like, here. And uh, it says, this is how David, dot, dot, dot. And you flip the page, and it's like, this is how, dot, 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 as he's falling. He, he wasn't able to grab his hand. So he starts falling, and he like crushes, like, he, he hits a rock on the way down. Look at all the blood coming from his head. Ugh. Yeah. Man, I thought he was dead right then. I thought he was just dead. <laughs> yeah, it really looks like he should be dead in that yep, picture. Yep. Um, so yeah, so he yeah, so he can't get Abram's hand. He starts falling down. He hits his head on the way down. Uh, how and so he starts thinking about his friends at base camp. They're never gonna know where he was. He's just basically gonna just die. Nobody's gonna find him. No, whatever what happened to him. Um, even like the, the 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 thing that holds the rope like yanks right out of the rock, and he ends up just landing. Um, and then he gets up. And he starts traveling through this desert. He's like, he's just covered in blood. Um, this is, it says, this is how he became lost. His body working independently of his mind to keep him moving, looking for help. This is how he became dehydrated. This is how David became to death, came to death's doorstep. This is how his mind went dormant to save his body. He doesn't remember the snake bite, the memory of the moment no longer critical to his survival. So at some point he got bit by a snake. <laughs> and it's even showing him, he's just dragging himself. And he's just, you know, he's just kind of just not even there, man. Dude's just, uh, right. he's yeah, he's the walking dead. And uh, and this is how this is how David found his path. And he, he finds himself into like an oasis. And it says he thinks he's hallucinating, that he's already dead and in heaven. And he's just like stops. And there's this, there's this waterfall, you know, there's water, there's trees everywhere. It's absolutely beautiful. Heaven looks like his childhood vision of the it, it, this looks like what heaven looks like basically is his childhood vision of the Garden of Eden, and he says David David accepts all of this. He accepts that he will never see his friends again. He will never eat or drink again. He will never love again. So he basically thinks he's dead, uh, and and yeah. uh, he sees like this uh, this native this Aborigine because he's in Australia. Uh, this aborigine walks up and he's like, you know, hunches over and just looks at him concerned and everything. And then it, it looks like he, he gives him a flower or something. <laughs> I'm not sure. It's like, or he just looks at the flower, right? Yeah, no, he's, yeah, I think he's, he's looking at the flower. the flower. I mean, he's just looking at something beautiful as he's dying. Um, this is the truth. He has accepted the turning of the page. And you turn the page and uh, our boy Abram is telling his girl that he's leaving. For 30 years and she's crying and everything um and uh and we've also find out that she is no we do not never mind i'm not gonna say any of that no. <laughs> i'm not gonna say i don't it was, oh, i just ruined it oh, god oh, sorry sorry we find out she's a man <laughs> 
oh man, that'd be crazy. All right. <laughs> so, you know, they're just sad and everything. And, um, and uh, yeah, so he, I mean, he's got to go. He's got to leave her. You know, they make love before he goes. And then we see him get into the rocket and he straps himself in. And he's off. He's off. He just, and I, you know, I should actually say this part because, because um, it even says, you know, another another bookmark, another bookmark, a well-worn passage, if not a favorite one. Abram, Abram has broken in news of his impending mission to Eva. Eva's her name. Abram questions his own motivations. She will be fifty years old if he returns from his mission. He understands his motivation. It is the same one that drove him to this mission: the de desire for the experience, the desire to feel something new. Abram simply wanted to feel, and you flip it over and you see him getting into that rocket, everything. Wanted to feel everything. And then so he goes out and uh, mission starts. And this is basically something that he's just always wanted to explore, to learn. I mean, ever since he was 12, I mean, he started getting into, you know, the space program and everything and, and, uh, and just learning about science and exploration. We're humans, man. We're, we're all about exploration. We're all about what's on the other side of that hill. That's that's how we spread out so much. What's on that other side of the hill? What's over there? And kept going and kept going. And um, and that's what we need to do now. We need to see what's going out there, even though whew, it's going to be tough. Um, so this it definitely seems like he's, uh, you know, he, these are thoughts that he's, he's having. Mm -hmm. Like, just from that, you know, look like you see the rocket going up you know it's coming at you at that angle yep and then you see his face and the jeans oh, yeah, are wearing like, on him he's and he's got his eyes closed but it's like he's thinking he's got all these memories about like wanting to get there like you were saying yeah yeah that's yeah that's i mean his it says his mission would only be announced publicly if it was completed or if the americans success, successfully launched their rocket whichever came first abram was on his way alive with the anticipation of turning the page again the page he'd been wanting to turn since he was 12. So yeah, I mean, he's just like, he's he's going out into his dream. But I mean, I don't know what it's like getting shot into space, man, but that, I mean, it can't be cool. No. <laughs> As fragile primates, it can't be cool. Um, so, and now we, we see him actually envisioning what he thought this would be like when he was a kid in yeah. his head. He sees himself on a basically on another planet with it. it's got two moons. It's got these weird rock formations, like these weird like uh, mountains that just shoot right up, like straight up, rather than you know, right. yeah. So it's like st shooting straight up, um, and he's like, it shows him meeting with a, a group of aliens and everything, and he just looks like like he's so excited, <laughs> right? <laughs> It, it's and it's like this is a page out of his childhood, a page from his from a dream, a dream wished into existence, and he sees this alien queen basically on a throne in front of him. And it's the twelve-year-old him, this brave explorer traveling into outer space. Then it goes back to to David, David Camp, and so we're back into the present right now, and we see him, David. He's got like he's basically become part of this tribe. I mean, he's got even got like this paint on. Right, he's yeah. he's become the leader basically of, of this tribe who he's found, um, and he's walking up, and we, we see him just looking at something in front of him, and it says David and Abram on two opposing pages in the same book, and like separate pages in an open book, 
when the book is closed, the pages meet, and he's walking up this hill. You don't see what he's walking to. And then you flip the page, and it's Abram. And dude, he looks so freaking badass. He does. <laughs> I love that look. I love it. Um, and he's just like, Abram's just looking at him. He has his hand out, just like, and he's like, welcome. And you see the, like, the pod, like a pod that he was sent out in, into space. So now he's back. It's been 30 years. Now he's back. And, or it's been longer than 30 years. Hmm? He's floating. And he's floating. He's floating. <laughs> he can fly. There are people off in the distance, like watching, like snipers, some kind of militia. Some, you know, I'm not sure exactly what it is. I'm not sure if it's the government or what, but some kind of militias out there watching. And you know, they got these guns. They got them in his sights and everything. And there's one of the guys is like, "We have eyes on the target. How should we proceed?" And the other person says. Operation Divinity is a reconnaissance mission only. Oh, so yeah. I should have read this before. <laughs> Immediately before, because I'm totally just like out of it. Operation Divinity is a reconnaissance mission only. Repeat, reconnaissance only. Intelligence intelligence is priority one. Not Do not engage. So we're talking probably the Russians here. They know he's back, right? Um, and, and But he, they got him in the scope, and then... Abrams, you know, he's, he's still talking. He's just looking at, at uh, David, and then he looks through the scope, and he just looks right at them. And one of the guys kind of freaks out. He's like, did he just turn and look at us? How could he? How can he just see us from a mile away? So they're a mile away. And then all of a sudden, one of the guys turns into a freaking bird. Like his, uh, like his fingers, like his hands and everything, they turn into wings, and his nose just starts forming into this beak, and he's just even still got his teeth in there and the beak and everything, yeah. and he's just like, oh, like, and and it's really freaking, really like weird. The bird man. Yeah, the bird man. And then another one of the guys, he just starts turning into these like butterflies, where he, yeah. like he starts falling apart, almost like like in the like you know Infinity War, where like the dust and everything. But imagine that with like these pink and purple and green and yellow butterflies just flying away. And then another one, all of a sudden, sees his wife in front of him and he's like Mar mariah and uh and she's like how did i get here where am i and then he she's holding a baby he's like oh my god you had the baby it's born you had the baby is everything okay and and he says oh, everything is gonna be okay uh, sorry i wasn't there for the birth i'll never leave you again i swear and then he reaches out and you know the baby reaches out for his father and and then that's it um, and leading into all of that you do find out that this was Abram's thoughts as the narrator because it says, I was abandoned on a doorstep in a basket in 1941 in, in 2015. So it's almost like, you know, like Dr. Manhattan is yeah. one place at, yeah, all over the place. <laughs> you know, like everything's happening at once. It's kind of almost like it really, sounds like it really feels like that. Yeah, because we saw him all throughout time there but he you know he's, he watched his own drop off at that doorstep he watched him sneak off to what's her name eva's eva's apartment is you know he's, you see him a lot in this book his future self um and there's a lot in the next issue um there's a lot more um it, it's just it's mind-blowing <laughs> it's it yeah it is uh i mean in 
It's great. It's really great. There was there was a lot of things that I thought happened in the first issue that happened in the second one that I just kind of, you know, because I obviously I have the first issue and then the rest I have as a full volume thing. Um, yeah. So like it kind of, they kind of blend together when you have the whole volume thing, you know? Um, but man, it is, it's so well written. It's so good. It will, it will absolutely blow your mind. It, and yeah, it's got this really nice uh, cinematic flow to it. Like it just, it, you just get carried along. Mm-hmm by the story. I mean, the story is so unique. Yeah. And I, you know, su- you know, superheroes and all, you know, that mythology gets reused. I mean, it gets recycled, but that's the point. You know, every generation comes up with their own uh, myths and, and so on and so forth. But uh, this, uh, this is really just a, you know, an amazing, beautiful story. I agree, man. I agree. It's one of my favorite storylines um, ever. I'm so glad that I found found that that one issue. Uh, it's very well worth it to read the entire series, um, especially if there's. Um, I'm just gonna blow it right here. You found out that he's not the only one that went on this mission, right? And once you find that out, it just gets insane. It gets insane. Um, so, guys, definitely pick up Divinity. It's it's out there. It's on Comicsology. You can get the whole thing. Sometimes the whole omnibus of all of it goes on sale. I think I got mine for like thirty bucks. I just got it at the right time, and I think usually it's like sixty. So even at yeah. sixty for an omnibus or something that big, that's really good. That is yeah, really good. Uh, it, and it's absolutely worth every cent. The art is amazing. I just downloaded the omnibus. Did you really? <laughs> it cost me twenty bucks Sweet. through Amazon. Dude, there you go. Right. That's awesome, man. Awesome. It is so worth it. So worth it. And that one thing, though, that what really, like, because I was reading it, I was like, oh, this is cool. And then once I saw his professor, his teacher talking about, uh, about you know, traveling and everything and how, you know, right. I was like, oh, crap. And even, like, when I first read it that he was in the space program, I was like, I was sucked in. You know, we're talking history and, yeah. and everything, sci-fi and, and everything. Oh, this is definitely that that more cerebral sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, but not to say that it doesn't have some amazing sequences. In it. I mean, it, it, it does. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it really, really, um, there's a lot of moments and throughout the whole thing that um, even though he is right now, he is not very human. <laughs> After he comes back, there's a lot of very humanizing things and throughout the entire story uh that really give the feels a lot of time and it's it's very very worth it so yeah that's a uh, divinity it's by uh valiant was the publisher it's written by matt kind and dude gotta read it yeah at least the first i got it i never really i mean i never really read anything from valiant you know oh, yeah. i i know what jim shooter was over there uh, to to I don't know if he was start if he started it or you know I know I'd always hear the gossip and all that stuff about the goings ons yeah at that place uh, so I, I always steer clear of the books because like the reputation always sort of preceded itself but yeah well that's now I totally feel like I'm just missing out on some really interesting 
stories. Yeah, the, well, that's the one that does. Uh, we, I mean, we because we've talked about Bloodshot. Um, yeah, you know, and how the, the the movie was like, it didn't even look like him <laughs> and everything, right? Um, so yeah. we, we've talked about Bloodshot and everything. I've never, I've never really been a fan of Bloodshot. Um, but still, I was kind of like, when the movie came out, I was like, it doesn't even look like the dude. At least give the guy like. <laughs> right, right. Well, he's supposed to have like like gray skin or white, gray like, like silver kind of white skin. He's got the powdery skin. He's got the red with the red dot. Yeah, man. Yeah, and they didn't look any like. Why would you? The the whole point, like, yeah, you're making this movie that you want to make a ton of money on, but also you're introducing this one character. Like, I can understand changing characters, like well-established characters that everybody knows, especially especially when they're like secondary character like the main character you're also trying to promote them as a character you're also trying to pr- promote their books and their their past publications and their volumes and everything you know like right. the graphic novels and everything um it, it, so changing like the main character once the first time out there and yeah. it's not even recognizable so when they go into a comic book store and they're like what the hell is this i just watched the movie this is nothing like the movie it just doesn't make any sense to well me. that's the problem like that was the big problem was that they they had two stars in that yeah. in that right. movie. It was Blood Bloodshot and Vin Diesel. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's the thing with superhero uh, type films. Yeah. The whole genre is that people come to see the character. Right. They want to see somebody treat that character respectfully and you know take it seriously as far as you as you do when you're an actor. Right. Yep. You know, I think that has been, I think that's been like a, like a, a big piece of it. Um, yeah. And it's, and it just makes like, like I can understand it's like, like for example, just the first thing that comes into my head is, uh, bullseye in the daredevil movie. That, that, that makes right. sense, man. Cause it's a secondary character. If you're gonna change anything up, then then go ahead with that. But if it's the first yeah. Daredevil movie ever, why would you not make him look like Daredevil, right? It just doesn't. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, it's the two stars and everything. So, uh, but yeah, the the comic. I mean, I, hey, I bought the Chromium cover when it first came out and all that yeah. stuff. But I never really. You know, there was like a lot of like super violent characters back in the late '90s, early thousands. You know, there was like Bloodshot. There was uh, Image had one. Uh, I'm trying to remember Death, not Death Blow, or maybe it was Death, Death Blow. Blow. <laughs> yeah, but these like uh, Punisher type characters that just kill people left and right and i don't know that's what i always thought that's why i always kind of like lumped bloodshot in with that sort of mentality and that and that just never struck me as anything interesting worth reading oh my god yeah i've I've never been a fan of punisher um but those kind of characters yeah totally nice look at this death blow guy oh my god am i right is it death yeah dude Oh, wow. I, I mean, it looks like like Arnold Schwarzenegger from the first Predator, kind of. Like, oh, it's that, that Liefeldization of yeah. 
of uh, figures back in the day that was so popular. Man, all the sinewy lines and all that bullshit. Yeah, man. Uh, OT Wally, he's got the grenades. He's got the pouches. You got to have the pouches. Yeah. <laughs> pouches. Look, oh my God, this one, he's got. What does he have in those pouches? Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> You should check and see. You should check and see if he has any feet. <laughs> well, no, he doesn't. That, <laughs> no, that's hilarious because he. Like, I don't see a single freaking thing here where he has feet. Wait, no, there's one that where he has feet. There is that's one. Hilarious. I found one where he has feet. Holy crap! <laughs> that's great. <sighs> you know, it's like that's what I'm talking about. Like those those hyper violent. Um, I don't know, overly stylized, I guess, mm -hmm. characters that, you know, their edge was that they just killed people. Yeah. Just, that was the times, man. I mean, just like, yeah, I, yeah, I know, I know. I mean, it was the times. Look at the movies that were out. It was the times. Yeah. yeah, true. That was, uh, that was it. Like, you know, that's, it was all about that. I mean, <laughs> is that... It, is that considered toxic masculinity? I don't know. Maybe it is. I, I, I don't know. That's yeah. looking back, maybe not understanding what I was looking at when I was younger. Yeah. And I would see that. I would definitely have a sort of skewed idea of what a man is supposed to look like. Yeah. yeah. Or represent. You know? <laughs> have, have just, you, just a thought. Have you ever watched Hard Boiled? Uh, the John Woo film? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. Oh, my God, dude. That was just insane. It was, and that's what it was. Like that's like that's like the epitome of like a '90s movie. <laughs> it's just like constant, just boom, 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 boom. just everything explosions, yeah. people dying. It was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing, but Jesus, holy crap! The scene where everybody's running from the re in the restaurant and people just getting shot up, and oh my god, dude, oh, it was like, it was just nonstop. <laughs> Nonstop. Yeah, everyone is Rambo three for some reason. <laughs> uh, he's like, there's one scene in 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 Hard Boiled where he goes from he there's he opens the car door and he jumps into the car like and you know he goes to go through the car and then like I think a rocket launcher like takes out the door that he just went in and then he comes out the other side and just the way it was filmed was like holy freaking crap! <laughs> it was awesome, man. Oh, I wonder, I, I wish, yeah, it just makes me wonder, you know, if things could have been different for John Woo when he came to Hollywood. Yeah. You know, we got Face Off, which I liked, mm -hmm. and then we just kind of got, like, low-level stuff. Yeah. That I felt like from John Woo. I would agree. I would agree. Um, I, uh, I mean, Face Off probably, I don't know if that would actually hold up. I don't know if... If you watch it, what Face Off with Nicolas Cage yeah. and John Travolta yeah. in their prime? You think that holds up? Oh man, I feel like that is it's American classic. You don't, just, you don't watch it to take it one hundred percent seriously. Well, no, I mean, but you watch it for classic performances from these two characters, Nicolas Cage and John Travolta. Yeah, you know, there's always memes right about Nicolas Cage and John Travolta. Doing weird shit oh, yeah. all the time. Yeah, this is this is a movie that has not one of them, but both of them acting like nutsos. Yes, through the whole thing. they are. Yeah, 
this is the reason why memes are made about these guys. <laughs> I mean, that's why it's it's a culturally it, no, it's not culturally important, but it's a good film. Well, it's a, it's a good movie. Broken Arrow, man. Oh, Broken Arrow. Wow. <laughs> that's not even in the same class. No, dude, that one is like face off. I remember I won that. Uh, so Pixie 103, when that came out, that came out mid 90s. Yeah. Um, 95, maybe I want to say. I think it may have been 15, something like that. So that, I, I'll, oh, I'll look at it. Hold on. I'll look it up. About it I'll right look it up. Um, no, I totally, I think you're right because the, the commercials for the film when it was like going into theaters had that guitar riff. From uh, what is that? That more human than human song. Yeah, uh, that was in a bunch of movie trailers, though. Like that. that I guess I know, but I remember specifically was, with this one. Maybe it was the first the, one to use it. The one that I remember that song being used in is um, "Rumble in the Bronx." It was in "Rumble in the Bronx" uh, yeah, trailer too. Uh, it was, it was. nineteen ninety six. Uh, Broken Arrow came out. And, wow. and dude, like I, I went on, they were giving away tickets on Pixie 103 and you had to do it like a, uh, like either like, so every other day for like, I don't can't remember how long it was like, all right, do your best Christian Slater impression. And, you know, you'd call in and you'd win tickets to go see it. So, and so, so I, I won tickets doing John Travolta and, um, and I did like an impression of when John Travolta became a priest on Welcome Back Cotter. Because <laughs> yeah. those were on reruns back then on Nick at Night and everything, so I'd seen Welcome Back Hotter, and I, you know, I remember the the episode where he was the priest. So I did a, you know, whatever line from from that movie and everything, and uh, that show, and um, and so I won tickets, and then halfway through the movie, it wasn't even halfway. I think it was during like the climax when they're fighting yeah. on the train that okay. the alarm, like the fire alarm, went off. And so we had to like, we had to leave through the exits and everything. And, <laughs> and so we never even got to finish the movie. The fire truck showed up and all that. It was nuts, man. I don't even know if there was an actual fire. If it was a false alarm. So we weren't even able to, able to finish the movie. Um, yeah. Which really sucked. And I wasn't able to like, you know, get the, go to see it again with, with, you know, cause when the stuff, stuff happens, you can go back. They make it up to you, you know? Um, we yeah. weren't able to finish it. We weren't able to go to finish the movie. Uh, but man, that movie is so cheesy. So <laughs> freaking cheesy. So cheesy good cheesy goodness. Uh, and I, I love Christian Slater, man. I love him. Christian Slater, right. And Howie Long was in that movie. Mm -hmm. Yes, he was. What? Yes, he was. He was trying to cross over. Mm -hmm. How dare you? <laughs> Christian Slater's in one of my favorite movies of all time. True, true romance. Oh, that's a great one. Oh my god, man, that is such a great movie. Everybody in that movie just kills it, just kills it. Even James Gan Did you James Gandolfini was in that movie too. Yeah. Did you ever see Cuffs? No, I didn't. Well, Cuffs. That's okay. That's it. Not a lot of people did. <laughs> <laughs> Cuffs. I'm gonna look it up right now. Uh, well, and so, all right. While I'm looking that up, we're going on to our second one. Yep. Time we should get on to that. Uh, cuffs. Oh, geez. What the heck? Cuffs. I think I'm looking at the wrong one. I'm looking at a 2015 TV series. 
No. Okay. I'll look into that later. Um, all right. So now we have another wine from Thracian Valley in Bulgaria. And this one is called Rossid, Rossidy. And I'm not, Rossidy. Yeah. Rossidy. And the grape is called Rubin. It's the 2017 Rubin. And Rubin is actually a cross variety. And uh, in the 1940s, I think it was 1944, the Bulgarians created this new grape using Nebbiolo and Syrah. Nebbiolo is a grape. It's a grape from northern Italy. It makes uh, the very famous wines Barolo and Barbaresco. Expensive wines. Very fancy. Oh. Fancy wines. So they took these two grapes and uh, made one grape and, uh, and made their own. And they call it Reuben. Um, it's not the sandwich, although I wish it was because I'm hungry now. I love Rubens, and it's spelled differently too. It's R U B I N. So, is this its own type of plant? Its own strain? It's a, it's it's like it's a cross It's its own grape variety. Grape variety. Yeah. So remember, I was telling you how like how um, Cabernet Sauvignon is the the basically the son of Cabernet Franc and Sauvignon Blanc. They took those two grapes. Right made them have a baby basically um that's what they okay. did with nebbiolo and syrah to make this grape so, perfect and so it's it's also because of that i mean it's it's also i mean i, I wouldn't say native to, to bulgaria but it's, <laughs> but it, it's from it's from from bulgaria they took those two and put them together in bulgaria so big, 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 big bulgarians created this and man dude if it's I'm just getting like dark chocolate. It's a lot of heat on the nose. Dark chocolate and tar. It's tarry. And that you are gonna get that tar smell and flavor. That's from the Nebbiolo. Nebbiolo is one of these the, the, like one of the key things about it is this tar flavor. It's very um very high in tannin and very high in acidity, which makes it very good for aging. So you make a very, very strong Barolo. If you say you get a very like a very expensive Barolo will be very, very strong. You probably won't even be able to drink it when it's new, when it just comes out. Yeah. You're just gonna be you're gonna it's it's gonna suck everything out of your mouth. You're not gonna get any flavor. Some of Barolos you have to sit on, you have to wait twenty five years before you even open it. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that aspect is going to come from there. And you, I'm getting a lot of juiciness that is coming from the Syrah. I get, it's like a little bit dark. I want to say dark chocolate. Mm -hmm. It's like chocolatey, but it's like that kind of baker's yes. chocolate that you get at the grocery store. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's like the first thing I noticed was it was the chocolate. But yeah, no, you pinned it like down exactly what kind. Oh, man. There's something. like I, I'm getting black olives. I love smelling black olives on, on wine. I don't know why. I love black olives. But for some reason, when I smell black olives on wine, I'm just like. Ugh. There's more of a like a savory aspect to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that is, this is more, I guess, uh, the word I want to, 
I'm going to use is it's not as exotic as the Maverick. Um, yeah. It's much more um, kind of more what we're used to with an American palate. I'll say that. <laughs> um, yeah. And it this this is very good. Very good. I mean, you could you could give this to somebody and just surprise them and just be like, "Hey, t try this. What do you think that is?" And they'll be like, "Wow, that's really good. I have no idea." Hey, guess what? It's Ruben from Bulgaria. What? What? <laughs> good old Ruben. Brings <laughs> back the best stuff. Mm -hmm. Man, this says from old vines. Um, all right. What do we say? What's it say here about this? Uh, so this saw 10% new and 90% old French oak. Uh, and then it sat, oh, malolactic fermentation uh, when it changes its um, its acid to from one kind of acid to another to get it kind of like a milky, creamy kind of feel to it. Um, took place in 10% new and 90% old French oak. And then it was aged in barrels for 16 months. 100% Reuben. Uh, it's from Thracian Valley, like I said, 13.5%. Mm. Oh, looking at the tasting notes. Garnet. It is garnet in color. It says pepper. We've been getting a lot of pepper on a, on, on a lot of the wines that we've been tasting. Yeah. It seems like that's, that's a constant. True. That seems like a constant on the wines that we've had. I wonder why that is. I'm not, it just might be just what we're getting. That's one of those things. <laughs> is there some new element that's been added to the uh, production of, of wine that now has a more of a peppery aspect to it? No, I mean, I think it's just like like pepper is going like black pepper, like black fine black table pepper is something that you're going to get from Syrah a lot. Yeah. And that's one of the grapes that was used to create this grape. So that's an aspect that it's gotten from that grape. Um, like I said, the tar aspect is something that you're going to get from the Nebbiolo. So it's kind of taking the best of all the worlds and putting them into one thing. Um, okay. The dark chocolate is going yeah. to something that you're going to get a lot in Syrah okay. too. Um, so it's, but it just, it just feels, it seems like we're always talking about pepper. It, that yeah, might, it, it might just be, and that's not something I always get online. It's not like it's something that is, is always there. It just might be just something that uh, coincidence. For what we have, yeah. I mean, you know, when we when we do, you know, next month, when we do our um, our sparkling wines, we're not going to get pepper on that. So that's one thing, right? That's right. Yeah. Um, so we'll take that's a right. we'll take a break from pepper. Then, oh, we we got sake coming out too. I can't wait for that. That's exciting. So I hope you guys are excited about sake. Then you got that box staring at me. <laughs> it's a big one. Six different sakes. If, if anybody, if any of our listen, listeners, if you've made it this far and you're not sick of us already, um, if you got anything that we you want us to read for the Saki one, uh, let us know, man, because uh, we, we're, we're trying to find ideas for, to, for comics to read and drink Saki too. Yeah, dude, I, I, I really like this. I really like this one. Makes me... <laughs> and, that, and that's the thing too i mean it's it's very well it's very good on its own 
Yeah. You don't need anything with this. You just sit it, sit with your glass of wine and drink it. And then also, man, I this was spaghetti and meatballs. That's what I'm going can for. I, can I just tell you that the, the way this wine tastes mm-hmm. is what I thought the wine in Game of Thrones tasted like. Dude, I can see that. Yeah, dude. Totally. I can see that. But Peter Dinklage, Mm -hmm. he was drinking red wine. Yes, he was. And this is what he was drinking. This is what he was drinking. He was drinking Reuben. I think think Peter Dinklage approves of this wine. To the Dinkle. (laughs) To the Dink. Oh. Uh, Yeah, I missed that show. But in, I missed it when it was still on. <laughs> oh my god! Just the, no, only because like the last season, the last couple seasons sort of faltered. Yeah, well, that's. I mean, that's. We don't have books for those yet. True. I mean, was, I was entertained. I, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. I I tuned in for every episode mm-hmm. on time each week. And I was definitely entertained by it. So, you know, it's like, I, I don't know if there'll ever be anything like that ever again, where and there's never been anything like that, or I don't know if there'll ever be anything like that, where a, a series starts off and it's based on the books. Yeah. And then it surpasses the books. So, so the books are spoiling the show, right? And now, in a, now you, in a sense, in a sense. Yeah. well, I mean, you hit the third season and it starts just making shit up. Like the right. first, the first season was to the word. The second yeah. season, they had to change things a little bit. They did um, just because the way things happened in the second season, you couldn't fit it into the whole thing. You had to change things up. Right. The third season, right. they, they awesome. They're sending Jamie. Like it, it was just like, uh, like they destroyed his character there. When one, right when you're supposed, he's supposed to be your favorite character, <laughs> and so, um, yeah. So they kind of they went off the rails a little bit, but like you know, and then it got good again and everything. But like, so the books spoiled. They spoiled the show basically. Now, yeah. at a certain point, once the books you hit the point for the books, the show keeps going, and now the show is spoiling the books. And that, that's like, I, that's crazy. That's absolutely nuts. But I guess one of the things that that um, he asked he asked questions for the producers because they wanted to make a show about this. So he asked questions to the producers because they had read the books and everything. Like one of the questions was, "Who's John John Snow's real mother?" And of course, okay. they you know so different questions that they really had to pay attention to that weren't revealed yet, and they answered them. And so he said, "Okay, you know what you're doing. You you're, you know what you're doing. I'm gonna put it in your hands because I trust you. Because you you clearly love this, love the books. You love the story. You're paying attention, and you know what's gonna happen. You've really paid attention to this whole thing. Um, and I'm, but I'm hoping a lot of the stuff that happened in those last few seasons doesn't happen in the book. But I think the whole thing with Bran, though, I think it's gonna be the same, but it's gonna be done much better." You think so? Yeah, I, I think George R. R. Martin, if that book is ever produced, if he ever puts it out there, the whole brand thing actually makes sense. But the way they did it, the way they showed it, was shit. It, yeah, it was like a side note. There was a, there was a lot missing from the oh yeah the series. Yeah, I mean a lot of stuff. It makes it makes sense that that brand would be the king in the end, and and all that kind of stuff. And especially when you've got when you've got George writing it, he is going to do it much better than they did, and it's going to be. Like 
he's going to make it make sense and make everybody like go like, oh, okay. Um, but I don't know if they're, we're ever going to have that because I read all those books before the show came out. Yeah. A new book hasn't come out yet since. And that show ran an entire – the entire series came out since the last book. Well, the new show that they're trying to do is the one that takes place during uh, – in the past. In, during the revolution. In, uh, yeah. Yeah, during the rebellion. Valeria. Oh, really? Valeria? Yeah. Really? I didn't know about that. I, th yeah. I thought they were trying to do one with, um, you know, with, with, um, with Robert. When you know when yeah, he was leading, the I thought they were doing two though. Yeah, I don't know. I thought they were doing that and the uh, maybe they're not anymore. I don't know. Uh, well, things have been put on hold and canceled because of everything that's going on, you know. Oh, so much stuff has been canceled. Oh, I'm surprised there's still content coming out. I I think we're looking at the future in our living rooms. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've got Disney. I've got Disney Plus. So. Once they start putting brand spanking new Marvel movies on there, I'll be getting those. Yeah, I got a, I got a big TV. <laughs> I don't, but I don't know what they're gonna do about Wonder Woman eighty four. Uh, they're gonna keep pushing it back because they want it in the theaters. I get it. You want that money. You want that theater money and everything. You're not gonna get that theater money. Now. You're not gonna get it. WB better start making some some moves all, you know all the promos are done they're already been out dq's freaking promo for it like for dairy queen on their cops and everything that was this summer late summer yeah that, that promo was done like everything that you paid for to have your stuff you know and and all this stuff to promote your movie is over and now it's coming out on christmas that's probably not even gonna happen just they should just put it on hbo max that's what they should do you know how many people would sign up for hbo max just to watch that yeah, they Even, they're gonna do the Justice League. Do do what? Oh, well, Justice League is going to be insane. The amount of people that are gonna sign up for that is going to be. Insane. I all the people that are joining that now are just like, I have to give it a second watch. I was done with it the first time I saw it, but now I'm actually interested again. I want to see the Justice what, League version. What, the yeah the the, the, the I, theory. No, I, want, I want to see yeah the original vision well they, yeah i mean, no i want to see the what what he intended what zack snyder intended to, like to all, have. They, they're putting so much money into this right now oh yeah they're like making a second movie yeah oh yeah the, it's gonna be i mean i i want to see what he wanted now he now he's starting to add things and like you know it, it's it's. I, I don't think it's going to be what he originally intended because now he can do more. Because it's going to be a four. Yeah. It's going to be a four-part show, basically. Um, wow. So he's going to do reshoots and stuff like that. But man, I, I want what he originally wanted. Um, but uh, yeah, the the Snyder cut thing is going to draw so many. And, and HBO Max is amazing. It's so cool. There's so much stuff on there. It's insane. Uh, uh, Raised by Wolves. I heard that's that's good. It is freaking awesome. And somebody I didn't even realize this. Somebody had asked me if it was part if if it was true if it's part of the aliens extended universe with like um what the hell is it called? Prometheus. Prometheus. Yeah. And I didn't know I've never seen Prometheus or any of those other movies. So like oh. I was like, 
I don't know. I know that the androids have that white white goo that comes out of them. The, the android blood is white, <laughs> just like in the Aliens movie. So probably, and that, that was it. Like, it, it is. <laughs> and so it's part of that. But I didn't have to watch any of those to love it. I loved it. It was awesome. And there's another show on there called uh, The Third Day with Jude Law. And it, it's only six It's only six parts. It's only six issues, uh, episodes. And that was really good too. Um, so there's a lot of really good stuff on there. Um, but what I think what they should do with Wonder Woman is do what Disney Plus did with Mulan. Where you, you yeah. know, you, I mean, yeah, we're not going to put it right on there. You can't, well, put it on there, but you got to pay for it. You have access to it, but you get a pay to watch it, yeah. right? Um, so they should probably do that with Wonder Woman because they got to make their money for something that costs that much. They do, um, and and I know they want that the- everybody to have that theater experience like that movie was meant to have, but I don't know if that's gonna happen. No, I I just that whole you know if somebody was able to come up with a a new idea. If someone had an idea to reinvent a movie theater, hmm. now's the time. Now's the time to break it out. It already exists. It's called drive drive-ins. Well, you know, um, I think you might be onto something. The Yar- one in Yarmouth is doing really well. The, I mean, they're, they're, the one in Falmouth is doing well. The one in Yarmouth is doing really well. They're, um, I mean, and you roll right up sit in your car or you have like a seating area that's off to the, I can't remember it's the left or the right of your car um, that you can use so that everybody's spaced out. Nobody's together and everything. Now the thing that bothers me though, is the one in Yarmouth wants to have a liquor license. Yeah. It's a drive through. <laughs> Why would you want a liquor license when people are going to drive out of your establishment? Like you, <laughs> I mean, you know, like I, I get like I, I get like the whole thing, the argument that you do that in restaurants to, you know, people are driving home and everything. But I, I think that it's a different atmosphere, <laughs> right? Instead of sitting down eating dinner or something like that or even it just I don't know. It just seems it seems weird to, to oh, have to have alcohol, especially because it's called it just I mean, it might just because it's called a drive through. <laughs> here's here's your drink. Thank you for coming to Yarmouth. <laughs> not drive through, drive in. Ah, are you allowed to drink a beer in your car? I think you have to be. You know, that's a good question. I thought you weren't allowed to drink beer in your car. Like you could only go so far as like a designated area. Obviously, you can't drink and drive. Obviously. You can't have, and you can't have an open container in your car at any point, unless you've loaded it with a bag of redemption stuff, and you're on your way to the redemption so, center. Um, if you have your key in your ignition, oh, and you're listening to that movie, yeah, yeah, you, you're, you're going to be in some trouble. I think. Yeah, that's just. I, I feel like that's. Yeah. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a big thing with the, the key and the ignition. I mean, you could be you could be totally shit faced and be found passed out in your car, and um, as long as you don't have that key in the ignition, you're fine. Cops find you. You can't be charged with the DUI, but if that key is in the ignition, you're getting pulled in. Uh-huh. It's DUI, yeah. Um, and but yeah, that's a good question, man. 
I think you probably have to be outside of the car, like in your seat that you brought. Because I think I can't, like I said, I can't remember if it's on the left side or the right side that they give you space where you can be outside of the car and set up your own little seats and everything. And so the next yeah. pe- people over are on the other side um, with, with their car. I'm not sure. Um, but that, I mean, that might be the whole thing. It might be just, you know, drive throughs huh. I don't know, man. I'm just going to put a feeder in my basement. Nice. Do it. <laughs> I, I feel like every home should have like a mini movie theater. Somewhere in their house. With a popcorn machine. But, well, you know. <laughs> Maybe a bar. I don't know. <laughs> Just, <laughs> absolutely. Definitely. You need one of those. Um, but yeah, I think. To drink wine from. They did drink wine, make some cocktails and everything. Um yeah, the, the whole theater thing is just, I, I would not. I, I'm, I'm so uncomfortable even just going. I've been into a restaurant, like physically in restaurants a few times, and I'm still just like skeeved out. And now with everything, you know, we're recording right now on the 30th of October. We've just had the yeah. worst two days that we've ever had with COVID in this yeah. country. Everything is going up. And we got a guy that's running things saying that uh, we're rounded in the corner and all that. And it's scary, man. It's scary that, that I, I, just does, I am scared. I'm, I'm definitely scared. The other day, 90,000 people were diagnosed with COVID and 1,000 people died in one day. 1,000. 1,000 people died in one day from this thing. And you got people saying that, oh, you're only freaking this percentage of people. That percentage is thousands of people. We're not talking yeah. about just a few, thousands of people. Yeah, a lot of people get it. That, But the number of people dying are a lot. It's a lot, and it's freaking scary. So even, even when things were okay in this state, and we were way low, like especially where we are on Cape Cod, yeah, and we're still way low, especially now that nobody's coming here. Cape Cod's probably going to be one of the safest places on the planet because <laughs> nobody's coming here. It's all locals. What the hell are we doing? We're staying inside and drinking. No, is what we're doing. it's not just locals anymore, though. Oh, really? No, no. No? This is, I've seen this in the paper a couple times. Oh, God. That people that own summer oh, homes staying. out in this area are staying. Yeah. I mean, it makes, it makes, sense. It makes sense for them. Um, but, you know, it's also – our hospital cannot – it only has so many ER rooms and, and so many – yeah. You know, so it can only handle so much, that hospital. It's a great hospital. But I mean, that's – it's just what it is. I mean, people are just, like, so scared about, you know, what's going on. They're, they're staying where they feel safest. Or they're just going out not wearing a mask and being idiots and spreading it to everybody else. Yeah. It's just like, ah, man. Unfortunately, there are those people too. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things. I was thinking just, like, the other day. I was like, man – because you don't know how you don't know how you can handle it. You don't know yeah. how you can handle it. Yeah, I mean, you got, I could get it. I could be fine. I could just have a, a very scary week, right? It's hard for me to breathe, and right. I might feel like shit. Or I could freaking die. I mean, we're all literally because we don't know how we can handle it. We don't know actually. I, I, we don't all don't know actually what conditions that we have. We could have something that we don't even right. know about, right? We're all two weeks away from dying right now, basically. 
That's scary shit. Yeah. That is scary that is. shit. It really is. I somebody I could have somebody walk up to me. I had one woman the other day that I was at work and she came up around the corner and I made room for her to go around me and she came up right next to me and put her head over the shoulder and peered at like what was I was looking at because like she was like looking wanted to look at like the same area that was at. I was like, what the like I had to like run away. I was like, what the hell are you doing? Like your face is like right next to mine. What is your what are you doing? <laughs> like where have you been? <laughs> right? Like I made room for you to walk past me. Now you walk past me. Now you look at what where you know. I was like, oh man, it was weird. She did it twice, by the way, twice. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just like I don't know, I don't know. Like it's like now I'm I'm in, I'm back to I'm back to uh, I mean through the whole thing because I've been working through the whole thing, constantly washing yeah. my hands, always wearing a mask, always doing everything that you need to do. I'm not bringing this. Like I said, my my father-in-law he gets this. He's done. I'm not going to be responsible for that. I'm not. So like I'm, I'm and I'm up in my game, man. I'm up in it because it's 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 a well you have to. It's another surge coming, man. It's another surge, and it's going to be worse than the first one. Just like the Spanish flu, just like every single pandemic, the second wave is always worse than the first. The waves have not been good. No, no, it hasn't. So, and um, but hopefully we'll have somebody. Uh, uh, you know what? I'm not going to get political. I'm not going to do it. How about <laughs> I'm not going to do it because we're here to drink wine and, and uh, talk comics. And uh, we got a uh, very different one right here. One that you picked out for the indie comic this week. And it, yeah. it's called The Authority, The Magnificent Kevin. This is number one of five. And uh, man, you... This was your choice, so why don't you take it away? <laughs> so, I, I don't know. I, I love this comic book. It's, I think it is uh, funny, and it's mean, and it's like, I mean, there's some gross stuff that goes on. It's out you know? there. It's, it's like, definitely, it reminds me of The Boys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, bit. yeah. Yep. And the level of just like how uh, out there it goes. Mm -hmm. um, so, all right, we'll just, I'm going to go, I'll just start going through it. Uh, Gart. So, Gart, um, what is the, where is the, um, oh, okay. So, well, let me just do, uh, it's written by Garth Ennis. It's uh, oh, yeah. drawn by Carlos Esquera. Colors by yes. David Barron. Letters by Phil Balsman. And assists, I don't know what that means. Christy Quinn edits uh, by Ben Abernathy. I think I, we should mention editors because, man, they do a lot of work and they don't ever get any credit for anything. <laughs> Sometimes you can clearly tell they aren't doing anything. Um, but when you notice that uh, that they, you know, that there's no mistakes or any of that, that they're doing their job. And the cover is by Glenn Fabry. All right, take it away. All right, so we open up. And uh, we're on this kind of like uh, rickety sort of submarine boat in uh, Hereford, England. And uh, there's a voice that says, I say we take off and nuke the site from orbit, which is a reference to aliens. And nuke, nuke the, on whose authority? 
Well, I believe Corporal Hawkins has authority here. Corporal Hawkins? Yes, Froggit, you toe rag. Corporal <laughs> Hawkins. Kev, who I've always been attracted to, who I can't resist any longer, even if I am his boss. <laughs> and then, like in like post apocalyptic, like, the, like this post apocalyptic, like, they have like, like their clothes and everything. And, yeah, uh, no, it's like very sci fi ish. You know, there's uh, Kev standing there with a, like this is giant gun and his uh, his female boss who is kind of busting out of her her clothes. It looks like, uh, and while while this is and she's happening, she's arguing with somebody that he clearly doesn't like. So yeah, yep. we get those two panels, but then just below it. We're outside of a building where masked men are are climbing up what looks like uh, the the back of a house. And uh, the first one says, mm-hmm. Monta, fuck will ye, let's bloody get this over with. And they're trying to push up their friend. And the friend says, fuck up, you dick ye. He's going to hear us coming a mile off. And uh, their their last panel of the page, they say, "Right ye, oh my fucking god, ah Jesus Christ, would you look at the state of that?" <laughs> and this is okay. So this is this is where uh, um, this is this is where it's gonna get uh, yeah vulgar. <laughs> I warned everybody before. So if you're not ready for some uh, crazy dirty shit. Don't listen. Skip ahead to our last line. All right, let's go. <laughs> and and the, the four masked men outside are looking through a bedroom window at Kev, who's actually asleep and dreaming, and also whacking off. <laughs> and, See, and this is this is where I'm leaning towards for the titles instead of um, in, instead of the other one. I was thinking about actually making it off the beaten path. <laughs> because he's beating off. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, it's I gotta make. What could have been? <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, the, instead of the road less traveled, uh, I'll make it. You know, I gotta make it that. All right. The uh, the masked man says, "The dirty bastards having a a ham shank," and so we skip. You know, we turn the page, we skip right over, and we're back in Kev's dream, and Kev's boss is on her her knees, and, you know, things are getting kind of sleazy. And she says, I can't control myself, darling. I can't go on living a lie. Kev looks down and says, blimey. 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 And she's unzipping his pants, and uh, this old guy in the background He's clutching his chest, I think. He's gonna... both hands. He's going, oh, terrible pain in my chest. Getting worse. Now cuts back to outside. The four guys are, they look disgusted. They start talking to each other. This is bloody disgusting. I know. I mean, shooting some idiot having a tug. <laughs> I, just, I, I, I love that part of his fantasy is about this person dying of a heart attack. <laughs> 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 it's like, 
Oh, he's having this sexual fantasy, like this is a dream, and it's part of it is this man that he hates so much dying of a heart attack. It's great. <laughs> and so uh, we cut back into the dream, and you know, Kev is getting, you know, he's getting brains. I mean, he's that she's going for it, and she says, "Oh God, Kev, you're enormous. I have no idea how I'm still able to speak with my mouth so full." <laughs> that <laughs> I was reading, and that legit that just made me start laughing, laughing, just like cracking up. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> There's the old guy again. He's saying, "Ah, oh, Christ! I hope this has nothing to do with that horrible dream I had about." Smothering. <laughs> I mean, it's so ridiculous. That's why. That's why I chose it because it's so. It really is in your face. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Right off the bat, it's funny as hell. Oh. It really is. Just it gets you. And so, they're trying to. Yeah, I mean, they, you got like they, they're these guys trying to come in and kill this guy, and they just find him. <laughs> jerk it off but you also see like what he's fantasizing about and it's freaking hysterical so funny <laughs> it's, it really it's is hilarious then what happens to this guy what's so this guy what name? happens to him it's so it's not funny but it's funny as hell it, oh it is so, Tor- yeah, he's going my god ah, it's the most unimaginably horrible <laughs> agonizing death Ever. It's the most conflicted human being. It's the most unimaginably horrible, agonizing death ever inflicted on a human being. If only I had been nicer to Kev Hawkins instead of being such a little cunt all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's just so ruthless. It's like, so, like, he's got the alien thing coming out of his chest yeah. as he's saying oh, that. A bunch of them. <laughs> Oh my god, it is absolutely brilliant. Because <laughs> like, oh man, so, yeah, I mean, oh, like this guy, he hates this guy so much, and he's just imagining him just having like these aliens popping out of his chest and saying how much he wishes. He, oh my god, hysterical. <laughs> oh, yeah, god. it's just too, it's yeah. too much. But it's it's yeah, it's funny. And we turn the page, and then it's suddenly boom, both sides. People come crashing through the window. Guys come crashing through the doors, and and they're just yelling at the same time, "Burn in hell, you fucking evil shite!" And then yeah, they, yeah. they're going after him. They going both come him. in to see that. They both come in at the same time to try to kill him. Yeah, and they're all like the fan out there on different sides. Yeah, yeah, and they realize that they don't know who the other team is. Neither yep. neither team knows the other team. And, uh, you know, one says, we're, uh, we're here to kill the SAS bastard for all the good lads he murdered. I, they respond, when he was working undercover in Belfast, so are we. Right, but who are ye? And then they get into an argument. Irish Republican Army? Meet Ulster Volunteer Force. The and the, I guess it's a like a religious thing. The Prawns, yeah, probably. Yeah. The Fainans, and then you turn. Can, them, yeah, and they just blow each other away. 
Protestant versus Catholic, yeah. the whole yeah Irish thing, yeah. They blow each other away, and Kevin is left unharmed, still lying in bed. Yeah, he pulls the covers over himself and yeah. just falls back. <laughs> and you know, dead bodies everywhere. The the two the dying with their dying breath, the two teams keep cursing each other. Uh, and then Kevin finishes, finishes himself yeah. off. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh man, that was and great. That's just how it begins. Yeah, I mean it's so so cool because he's like, they just they just two sides just bust in at the same time and it's a completely embarrassing moment <laughs> to to kill them to kill him and then they realize that they actually hate each other more yeah. than they hate him so they just kill each other off. And he's left. They're both there to kill him. Right. And they kill each other off. And he's the only one left. And he just keeps doing what he's doing. And with dead bodies. Yep. Everywhere. Yeah. That's, um, that's Kev. Now, I, I mean, what do you know about this character, though? Because um, I don't know much about him. Um, I mean, I, I've heard of him. I've seen a lot of his stuff on uh, on the DC apps and everything. But I don't know much about Kev. He was um, an SAS officer who was sent to kill the authority. Okay. And that that woman is his boss in real life. And he was sent to kill the authority because they were there was something about too, being too powerful, I think, or something along those lines. So he gets there with his gun. And they know that he's there. Because the second he appeared, you know, hiding with some some crates, they knew he was on the ship. So they all come down, and they know he has a gun, too. And they're all laughing, hysterically. Mm -hmm. And then, somehow, Kev manages to kill all of them. Oh, really? He kills all of the authority the first time he meets them. Oh, shit. Yeah. And right when he does, an alien invasion begins. Because it turns out that, you know, his boss was actually an alien in disguise. And they needed to get him in place to kill the only thing that could stop them, which was the authority. That's crazy. Yeah. I won't tell you how it ends, though. Okay. Okay don't um but so but yeah no i've seen so i've seen a lot about him uh, but i haven't read anything with him and now i do know about i know do know about these characters coming up that, mm-hmm. because this is kind of okay, now we're going off to not even on earth um but uh i did read um uh, the midnighter a lot of the midnighter run uh by the same by the same writer and uh, man that was awesome dude Oh yeah, that was awesome. Uh, it, especially, the, especially the first story arc when he goes back in time to uh, World War Two, mm-hmm. and there's this one part where he's like Midnighter. He's going through, and, and he's like, "I can only." And he's the the it's that's the it's the end of World War Two. The Germans know they're gonna lose. It's over. Um, so it's one of the last nights that you know the Nazis around and everything. And they're just partying like it's one of their last nights and everything. Um, as Nazis, they don't know if they're going to die or you know surrender or whatever. And uh, 
and he walks by midnight or just like walks by all these partying Nazis and everything. And he's like, I can only walk by so many Nazis. And he takes this one guy and he just punches him right through his face, like right up against the wall, right yep. through his face and eyeballs squirt out everywhere. It's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. <laughs> was, yes. That's how you punch a Nazi. Freaking punch Nazis all the time. Go out and punch Nazis. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so I love Midnighter. I love Apollo. I love that, that their whole thing. Um, and uh, yeah. Um, and so it was really, it was really cool to see that they they're in this. And it's I, what I really like about this too is that it's two completely different things coming together. Yes. It doesn't seem like the these the two aspects of this one comic book even match. Um, so I'm really interested. <laughs> To read more however we're only a few pages in so take it away go ahead <laughs> yeah so so we open up uh on the the carrier and um you know we see it in space and then in the next panel we've got uh what's that midnighter and is it apollo that's apollo yes yes yeah they're actually lovers too that's right they are well, yep yep uh, and Mid- Midnighter says, I see the love that dare not nay its name has once more returned to haunt us. And then there's a horse on the TV. A, <laughs> right, because who is that? That's, uh, oh, I forget his name. Is he the doctor? That's the doctor, yeah. The doctor. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember his name, yeah. He's got some kind of uh, needle and syringe in his arm. Yeah, uh, and he's watching. Uh, he's watching a horse on a screen. So yeah, I'm not. And there's sure. a book. Yeah, there's a book next to him that says "All the Pretty Horsecock." Fuck. So it's it's really it's a it's a weird scene. Yeah, you don't really want to know what's happening here, but it's not whatever it is. It's not good. Doctor's got issues, man. <laughs> so, you know, Midnighter and Apollo are on their way. And uh, Midnighter says, although come to think of it, the doctor shooting smack and watching girls blowing horses is one of the few signs of normality left around here. So there, there you go. Things are getting bad then. Yeah. Things are getting really bad. Yeah. And uh, Apollo says, it was just a suggestion, uh, Midnighter. I mean, we were at a group meeting. Everyone has was free to say whatever they wanted. Uh, I don't give two tongues of a dead poodle's cock. <laughs> we are not fucking getting decoder rings. But there is no but. There is no debate here of any kind. Uh, yeah. I would just play pranks on people if I had, you know, communicating through Dakota rings and just be like, be sure to drink your Orthene. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, Joe, not again. Uh. <laughs> that that I, I laughed at that though because that seems that that's totally childish and everything decoder rings and stuff but like really when you think about it, it when you're communicating with people and everything uh and you want to keep things secret it's actually kind of a good idea 
when things get serious, you know, you, you need to come with <laughs> have some kind of code. Uh, oh man. It's too funny. And then the next page is just <laughs> every time I, I this is like freaking nuts. Oh I'm God. surprised we don't see more tattoos of this, but <laughs> holy crap, that is my next tattoo. <laughs> so uh, Apollo and Midnight are walking down the hall. Apollo is turning to Midnighter. He's says, oh, all right. And by the way, don't think I haven't noticed how Hawksmoors started shouting, time for the authority to go into action whenever we're getting ready to start some shit. Which, you know, they're all becoming more superhero-y. Mm-hmm. And the Midnighter's not into that. And then... Just in the corner, you 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 read this. I'm and Midnighter and Apollo notice because they yeah they heard again. something they heard it yeah it's, I'm what the hell? and they go huh did you I'm I'm a vagina <laughs> boing oh my god and it it's literally like, like, yeah it's. I don't even know how to ex- explain what this thing looks like. It's almost like it's like a picture. Picture a take like a genie. What you picture of a genie, and and make it um, super freaking skinny, <laughs> but it's made of flesh. <laughs> yeah, it's really uh... um, just like like they don't. Oh. What's the disease where you just don't eat anything and just like? Oh, anorexia. An- yeah, anorexia. You take look at take picture an anorexic genie that's made out of flesh, and that's like <laughs> that's what exactly what this thing looks like. But like he doesn't have legs. It's like yeah, he's winding coil. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Like you know, like the genie from like from like Aladdin, where he's got like the tail, like the kind of spin spiral thing yeah. going on. And it's just like, dude. That is freaking creepy. And he's like, I'm a vagina! And he's got a pie. He's holding a pie, and he smacks Apollo with a pie. With a pie. And he's like, and he's like Apollo, like, what the, like, in, oh my god, what the freaking hell? Who even thinks of this? <laughs> oh, it was great. Apparently Ennis thinks of this. Like, that is freaking nuts, dude. Nuts. And it's brilliant. Because it's, it's like, I turn the page and I'm just like, and I'm, I'm like, okay, I see this weird thing and I, I saw it because it's right in the middle page. There's no way you can flip that page and not see this weird, like, thing in the middle. I'm like, what the hell? Okay, I'm just going to read what they're saying. Okay. Okay. I'm a vagina. What the fuck? <laughs> it's just so hard. Oh, and he has a pie, and he smacks Apollo in the face with a pie. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, it's. I think it's about to get more serious, though, isn't it? Uh, we're gonna start. Not maybe. No, wait. No, maybe not yet. I'm thinking about when they're in the bar and everything. I thought that was next, but it's not. Oh no, this is the. Uh, what's his name? Froggy. The guy in the yeah. from the dream that he hates so much that he envisioned him having <laughs> having aliens burst out of his uh-huh. chest. Yeah, he pops in and says, "Signature required, matey." 
And Kev responds, fuck off a minute, Froggit. I'm trying to hear this. And if something is playing on the radio. And as I come into the home, straight it's Virgin Megastore. Virgin Megastore passing Helen's awful uncle. Passing Diesel, not unleaded. Passing 10P mix-up. Nothing can possibly stop the 30 to 1 outsider now and... Oh! Incredible scenes here as a suicide bomber runs onto the course. There's the Allah Akbar. He's blown himself up right next to Virgin Megastore. There's bits of horse everywhere. It looks like a Frenchman's kitchen. And how many hopes and dreams must have gone up with that spurting geyser of blood, bone, and meat. And Kev's just going, fuck, fuck, just disgusted with, with what he's hearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, Froggit. God, shit's, God, shit's in your mouth again, eh, Hawkins? Haven't you got some children to go with molest or something? <laughs> right. There's the signature. Yeah. Piss off and leave me alone. My pleasure. Tell you what, next time the Bob Trotters catch up with you, I'll leave you to clean up the mess yourself, shall I? You wouldn't like that, would you, matey? No, no. Matey wouldn't like that at all. That's going to be a new new insult that I use as bog trotter. <laughs> Somebody, you know, somebody's talking about somebody else. Ah, he's a bog trotter. I think like, what the freaking hell? What are you talking about? <laughs> Just throw people off. Ah, oh, that, that guy's a bog trotter. That uh, damn bog trotter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so let's see. I'll tell you what I'd like, Froggit. Ten minutes in a locked room. Just you, me, and the baseball bat with a big fucking spike in the end. <laughs> well, maybe that day will come and maybe it won't, maybe. But if it does, maybe I won't be the pushover you think I am. Maybe the big tough hero from the regiment will bite off more than he can chew. So Yeah, man, maybe this guy's been through some shit. Hey, you know, you know, maybe he's tougher than him. You don't know that. Look at him. Yeah, he's rocking that uh, bald. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> the male pattern baldness he's and like everything. A, he's like a monk. That Dude, maybe he's been through shit in his life, and now he's just like you know, he's you know he's kind of you know eased up a little bit, and but when you know when yeah. shit happens, he's gonna fuck shit up, right? Uh huh. Uh huh find out maybe so i don't know i don't know what i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) so basically basically frog it just tells him that the boss wants him at the office the next morning bright and early Mm -hmm. uh so he can she can justify the reason that he is still on the payroll yeah so you know he he takes off and uh Kev kind of loses it. He goes, cunt. Hello? Kev, mate. Bad news, mate. And it's Nick. Believe me. At this point, 
There is no fucking way that my day can get any worse. I wouldn't be too sure about that. Tiny just shot himself. What? So, it goes into the next scene, and it is... Uh, this was weird. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what the... Uh, it, it, this was, like, the one part of... Like, his... The whole this is the one part of the whole issue is like not what the fuck in a in a like a hilarious or just like but like wh what is this <laughs> what is this this is the one part of the issue I was just like I don't get what we're doing here think um, of it really like, weird like I, I always looked at it like a I had like a Disney princess vibe like she's like doing that Disney princess kind of song about her life oh got oh, okay her gotcha. is more like got like a lot more sarcasm and mm -hmm. you know it's actually pretty dark yep so, um she I, I just i just started uh to have some more of the maverick yeah it is it's it, it's opening up oh all right it's getting more like like anise on it like a lot more spice is coming out, and like I said, like more, it's getting more red, more red fruit. Oh, on the palate, it's getting much more spicy and like brighter in the fruit. Oh yeah, that's nice. Mm -hmm. Like it, cranberry is coming out. Yeah. Damn. All right, so makes me want to have a cigar. Oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> Seriously, I mean that's a great idea with this wine. Because I mean, just because the flavors that it has and everything, that would be perfect for a cigar. Very go. rustic. You oh know? yeah. Mm -hmm. This is like rustic flavor. At the hunting lodge back in the day, everyone in their uh, their tweed hunting jackets. Mm -hmm. You got to got to put on the monocle. Yeah, and everything. Yeah. Yep. yeah, those big mustaches. Yep, those <laughs> bastards. <laughs> those bastards. All right. So what's going on with this? This she calls herself an Asian chick. Yep. That's what she me. So what's going on with so her? So she's just flying around singing her song. Uh, how I have often heard it spoken. That on this team I'm just a token. The rest are white, but it's okay. Because no one but two are gay. <laughs> <laughs> it sure can leave you feeling poor. When you're the ethnicity du jour. When you're an Asian chick. Asian chick. Way I get used it. Makes me sick. Trapped here with this bunch of dicks. Because I'm an Asian chick. <laughs> I gotta get you singing this song so we can put music behind it. Oh, it's freaking great. Alright, so there's another page with more yeah. lyrics that yeah. anyone else is free to read. We're gonna Yeah, basically forward. she... Basically, going over like over and over again about her being Asian and everything, the situation that she's in and everything, and then just the the whole chorus of her just being an Asian chick. But she's like, fly, she's got like wings and everything. Yeah. I don't from I mean from what I've read from these guys, I don't 
because I've read I've read a few story arcs about about um, Apollo and uh, in Midnighter. I, for some reason, I don't remember her. This is I uh, feel like this is Songbird. Uh, yes, but I don't. Maybe maybe she was in it, but I just don't. I just don't remember her because I mean it's been like it's been a while. Um, but uh, maybe she wasn't prominent in those stories, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, she's just like singing, like you said, like Disney princess, kind of just flying through the air. She's got these hawk wings and everything. Um, and then, of course, she meets our, our friend here with the pies. <laughs> I'm a vagina! Yeah. She's <laughs> like, free to be an Asian chick. Swift, that's and the, her name. Bing! Oh, is it Swift? Yeah. Yeah, she's singing her heart out, and then all of a sudden, boom, I'm a vagina. And then she's got a pie in her face. <laughs> what the freaking hell? <laughs> I love it. Even the Midnighter, he says, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah, as he because he finds her because he's dragging Apollo away. Right. Yeah, and then he finds her as he's dragging Apollo because he can't get those pies off, for whatever reason. So and then it goes back to uh, Kev. Yeah, back to Kev. Let's see. And he is with his buddies at a bar, and uh, they're talking about uh, their friend. He was home for the weekend. His dad found him. Oh, fuck. We had a pint with him just the other night. He seemed all right then. Poor old Tiny. I wonder what he was thinking. Well, I mean, they just start talking about, like, the job. Like, and right. how, like, rough the job can be. And, and one of them one of them is um, just saying, hey, it's just a job. Just don't take it home with you. Right. Um, and the other one just explains, like, you can't do that. <laughs> it's going to tear you apart. And that's what happened to Tiny. Yeah, and uh, it's it's. I mean, it's it's very very wordy, um, but it's also. I mean, it gets pretty serious about the you know po- post traumatic stress, and everything. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's probably the, the only serious part in this entire book mm. about what happens to Tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a bit misplaced and everything, but I feel like it's probably important for the story moving forward. I mean, obviously, I, I haven't read it, obviously, but feels like feels like it's that way yeah it's like a pretty it's definitely a bleak sort of after all that craziness with the uh, vagina monster yeah just chops it right off yeah kev, kev just sitting in a bar and and talking to his friends about somebody who just killed themselves and and uh the struggles that you go through when you've seen things and you've done things and it's but like but you find out that he, Kev is responsible for um, somebody get eaten by a tiger. <laughs> there was like a mission that they did, and like they were like, were they stealing a tiger? I I think that's what happened. It looks like because they, they show even show like a like a flashback, and like so there there's Kev and he's like looking at this guy with you know wearing kind of the, the same suit and everything. And he's trying to get a tiger into the back of a van, and apparently, like the the, the this tiger eventually like mauled this other person. Like what? 
Oh, that's another one. That's, that I, I, I feel like. Oh, what I don't want to give away the end. Not well, not yet. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think I think you really see that that in in this whole this whole part here, because like I said, there's a there's a lot that's said. There's a lot that's going on here. Um, uh, bet between these three people, but I think you can really see that Kev isn't. He might be a character, right. you know, um, out front. Uh, but you can see he's in a lot of pain, um, and especially you can see it on his face here a lot throughout yeah. these panels. That like he's he is. I mean, he's probably going through some kind of depression, and um, you know he's, he's like feeling he's. Cool. he's that's what it is. Like, like he, he's got this persona of like this. Yes. Bomb. Yeah. Kinda. But he's dealing with a lot of shit yeah. in his head. Um, and that, that becomes apparent in this scene uh, with his two friends here. So, yeah. Um, and then it goes back to the ship with the pies. <laughs> freaking nuts. <laughs> they're all lined up with yeah, pies on their face. And yeah. Midnighter's there with the engineer. And they're talking back and forth about who's going to try and peel the pie off of the face of the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> Midnighter doesn't, doesn't care that it... Because it, he wanted he wants to use the doctor as the experiment, like the guinea pig. Yeah. Because he doesn't like the doctor. It's freaking great. There's like the, like the way they talk between each other. He's like... <laughs> so he, she goes to peel the, the pie and he's he, and even he, he even he's like you're tearing the skin and she's like i know like she's like ripping the skin off his face trying to peel. <laughs> so these like eyes are like stuck to like literally stuck to their the skin on their face uh it's great and then guess who shows up yep here's our friend i'm 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 a vagina and uh he gets the uh, engineer with a pie, but Midnighter goes after him, just grabs him and breaks his arm immediately. He's got that super strength. Yeah, but then it just reasserts its arm, and it mm -hmm. does it so hard that he actually breaks Midnighter's. Oh, see, I didn't realize that the first read that he actually, because I knew he... He just like lifted his arm up. I didn't notice that he actually, when he did that, he broke Midnighter's arm too. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even notice that. God damn! And he tosses him across the room. Across the room, breaks his legs. Ragdoll against the yeah. wall. Yeah. Ouch! And he tries to speak. He's saying, "Do do." But Vagina comes over and says, Oh, no, 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 no! Puts his hand right over his mouth. Like, uh -huh. like you be quiet now. Yeah. And he lifts him up. Like, from the floor, he lifts him up. Like, up against the wall. With his hand over his mouth. And he's uh -huh. just like, I'm, I'm, I'm a Vagina. And then alarm goes off. Like, but that, that like, that was crazy like just to see him just like do that just like because he's on the floor he's on the floor and he just drags him up up against the wall and up you with his mouth mm -hmm. Ugh, crazy and what the fuck is this thing there he goes <laughs> uh oh 
Um, oh, go yeah. Well, because Midnighter hits the uh, the emergency airlock thing. Oh yeah. Because he's right next to the thing, so he punt he breaks the thing, and then he opens the airlock thing, and then they both get sucked out into space. Yep. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, man. In that situation, what else are you gonna do? Uh, you get, <laughs> it's yeah, like, you gotta hit the airlock. Either, <laughs> either, either uh, I'm gone. Either I'm. It's just me. We're all going down. Like, either you know, you're taking me out, or I'm taking both of us out. Which one are you gonna choose? <laughs> I'm gonna take both of us out. Boom. See ya. Yep. So we're on to Kevin, who is in the office of his female boss that he fantasizes about. And she's just saying, Hawkins, Hawkins, you know, trying to wake him up. I don't blame him, by the way. Yeah, no, they definitely draw her to be that way, mm-hmm. which is whatever that way is. <laughs> I don't know. They, I, they're, let me articulate that. They just have, have drawn her to be very uh, provocative. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she's saying, you know, She's telling him to pay attention to her. And, uh, you know, there's Kev just like kind of lost in his depressed thoughts, crying. And she's demanding that, you know, that he pay attention. And she tells him that uh, the authority is in some trouble. And uh, he just loses it. He just starts crying. He says, oh, yeah. not that shower of cunts again. And he just blows up about how every time he gets with these people of the authority, he gets, you know, hurt, blown up. You know, he feels like the Midnighter, you know, and it can't take a joke and. He just yeah. doesn't feel safe at the, all. The cunt can't take a joke. He right. thinks just because you accidentally blow someone's head off. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's, he's been calling him a cunt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or the, um, um, let me uh, maybe I'll, I should uh, blank that out. He calls him the c word. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> the c word. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, she says. Um, That he wants him to like find the midnighter. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, no the the midnight the midnighter wants wants him to find him. Right. It's the like the midnighter. It, she's saying that the midnighter actually wants you wants your help. Right. The help. Yeah. He's the one that actually wants help from Kev, and he's like, "Wait, that guy hates me. Why would he want help from me?" Well, she's like, basically, I mean, he, you're, he's, for some reason, he trusts you. Even though he hates you or he wants to kill you, he trusts you and he needs your help, is basically what they say to each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is, I mean, that I, I like that kind of stuff. <laughs> and he's just like watching, like, Ken's just like looking at her while she's explaining this. And all he sees is Midnighter choking him. Choking. Yeah. 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 This guy hates me. Why does he want my help? Well, he he knows you can help. He trusts you. And he knows you can do it. 
them. Just I love when when stuff like that happens. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yeah. So he's in it. He's going to be working with Midnighter. She mm -hmm. says, you know, for some reason they trust him. Mm -hmm. um, and he questions it, obviously, because why wouldn't you? Yeah. And, uh, you know, why does an, an anarchist superhero come looking for help from a bird at British intelligence? <laughs> She's like, bird? And she gets upset Just... about that. Yeah. The word, yeah, the word bird. And he corrects himself, says woman. Um, yeah. And she won't say why the midnight yeah. asked for help. And she just gives him that that cold-ass stare. And mm -hmm. She says, I beg your pardon. Do you have a complaint you'd like to lodge? You don't forget are the idiot who got a government official devoured by a tiger. And as such, you will continue to draw every wretched assignment going until God finally corrects his mistake and does away with you. And should you find yourself unable to bear this burden and become, say, habitually insubordinate to a superior, you will find that God will be given a helping hand. So cold. Right. That is so freaking cold. <laughs> like, it's a, just saying, like, oh my god. And as such, you will continue to draw every wretched assignment going until God finally corrects his mistake and does away with you. Oh, that is so it's such a cold thing to yeah. say like you're just like oh jesus Straight hate. like the fact that you even exist is like a mistake from god himself oh he <laughs> anyways <laughs> and she finishes it like she just finishes it off with mm -hmm. and i will have you strung from waterloo bridge by your foreskin ouch uh, yeah that's no fun and yep. uh you know Kev is just like, of course, you do need me to go and fetch the Midnighter, don't you? So you can't really slot me for lip till the job's over, can you? And he kind of gets her in a bind. So, he says and turns to her, I don't suppose there's any chance of a blowjob. And that's the end of the issue. That is it. Yeah. Um, that is freaking nuts, man. <laughs> like, that, that That was just, like, completely unlike anything I've ever read. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. you should read the last issue. That's oh, really? One. Yeah. That'll make you look at Midnighter and Apollo differently. Oh, really? <laughs> awesome. Yeah, this is something I definitely want to read more of. Um, I really liked it. I really liked it. I laughed a lot. I thought it was uh, how different it was. And like, like yeah. I said earlier, how different the two sides are. Because um, you got one, you know, people are in, in, in superheroes in space. Right. And then, and then you've got Kev here on Earth doing what he does. Like there's, there's no bigger contrast between what these two sides are doing and now they're going to team up. Mm -hmm. um, so I love that idea. 
I love that it's just raunchy. Like I said, vulgar. Um, the, what the freaking hell is going on with the pies? <laughs> what the hell is this? And like this guy going around saying I have a vagina it is freaking insane. <laughs> In freaking insane. It's a lot of fun. So much fun. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, pretty great. Especially when like, because when you start reading it, you're like, what the hell is, you start, you know, the first page, you're like, what the hell is going on here? You got the, that abandoned sub submarine in the middle of a desert. And and there's like, a, there's somebody breaking into a house, people with ski masks. And then it's back to like, just the way the first page progresses uh-huh. is just completely like, what the freaking hell is going on here? And then you flip the page and you see what the hell is actually going on here. <laughs> you're just like, oh, what the freaking hell? And it's like, and everything that just happens after that, with that entire scene, is just brilliantly done. Brilliant. I love it. <laughs> Freaking love it. Was into it. Yep. Well, thank you for su- suggesting that because it was great. It was great. If uh, anybody's in for some good times and just ready to laugh, go read it. Last one of the night, and then we can punch out. All right. Okay, so this is actually a grape that I've never heard of. This is white. Usually you want to do white first um, before you do reds. I felt uh, that in this situation, because this the, just because of the profile of this one, we should save it for last. Yeah. Um, it's it's not because it's it's sweet. Usually with like sweet wines, sweet white wines, you want to do after like the reds when you do like a tasting lineup and all that. Because sweetness is going to kind of really affect your palate when you go on to another wine. Right. Um, but I felt that just the way this 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 wine pre- presents itself technically is not sweet, but it's a very thick and very juicy white wine. And it to me, it made more sense to end this. It, it is very much, <clears throat> I wouldn't say a dessert wine. Um, but it has that kind of profile to it. I mean, you could drink this in the middle of summer, super crisp and all that, but it just, yeah. I just felt it would be better to finish off with the white wine tonight. Um, and I have never heard of this, this grape, uh, even with everything that I've done with Bulgarian wine. And it is called Sandansky Miskit is the name of the grape. Sandansky Miskit. Sandansky Miskit. Now, Sandesky is the last name of a man who was big in, um, in I guess in uh, politics, okay. I think for for Bulgaria or even like some kind of revolution or something. I can't remember. Um, but uh, so so it's named after him. Now it is a hybrid grape of okay. of a, a native grape to Bulgaria called Shiroka Melnica, Shiroka Melnica, and. Melnica. And Cabernet Sauvignon, which is a red grape. So it's a, a hybrid between these two grapes. Okay. Shor, shor, yeah, Shor, I'm sorry, Shoroka Melnica and Cabernet Sauvignon. And that was created in 1979. So, created the year you were born, right? Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. One year before mine. And um, so this is 100% Sandansky Miskit. Wow. Um, and this is this is from Struma River Valley, which is also 
in the uh, the southern portion of Bul Bulgaria within the Thracian lowlands, but it is to the west of the Thracian Valley, which is where these other wines were from that we just tried. And uh, it is, let's see, this one, let's see, four to six hours cold maceration. It is, what is the, so it's 13.5% alcohol, so it is a dry wine. But as you can see, when you taste it, it's very, very big, big bodied, very juicy. Um, it is actually biodynamic, which is it like basically taking organic to another level. Biodynamic does a lot of weird stuff that sounds really weird. Uh, like it sounds like hocus pocus kind of stuff with the stuff yeah. that they do, but it works. Um, and it basically you're creating your own ecosystem within your vineyard. You bring in the, the, the flowers, you yeah. put in flowers and you create this, basically this farm and uh, all these plants and all these flowers and everything that bring in the good bugs that fight off the bad bugs that will kill your grapes and do all this certain things and to uh, keep the bad birds out that will, you know, like it's basically creating this whole ecosystem, but there's also these really weird things that they do for um, everything is done by, the, the timing of like even uh, like astrology it's like a lot of it's even like where where the where the constellations are and like all this weird crazy stuff there's things called leaf days and and when you can't do this on a certain day and all that it's really really weird they even they plant they take a bull's horn they take the the horn of bulls and they fill it full of cow manure and they yeah. plant it underground for the winter to create like a natural um, pesticide that they can use. It, it's like totally just out of this world, out of this world, but it freaking works. Um, wow. And I talked to somebody who, who is big part of a bi 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 biodynamic winery and even said himself, he was like, dude, it sounds nuts. Even to me, it sounds freaking crazy. It sounds like, like totally just like, like we've lost our minds, uh -huh. but it works. <laughs> and so biodynamic is taking organic to a completely different level into this, like this totally different thing. Um, and uh, this one is actually also vegan. So they don't use egg whites uh, to, to get rid of any sediment or anything. Um, I, I mean, I'm getting a lot of a lot of lychee nut. It's almost like very Gewurztraminerish, which is like another good Thanksgiving wine. Um, just because this would pair not only Thanksgiving, uh, which is obviously coming up, uh, you don't want to uh, <clears throat> you don't want something that really necessarily pairs with turkey. That that's awesome, but you want something that pairs well with everything. Yes. And uh, because that's not the only food you're having, you're having a lot of food. And um, this Gewurztraminer is something that pairs well with everything and also turkey specifically. Um, and this is very Gewurztraminer-ish. So there's a lot of lychee nut. Hmm. I don't know if you've ever smelled or tasted lychee nut. Is that... Very what would... distinctive. I don't think I have. It's They will like... when When I was starting to... Learn about wine, started my education. 
and I was going to classes and stuff, and they would literally pass around cups with all these different things in it, you know, different kinds of things that that are very telling of certain things. Like cassis is very very telling that Cabernet Sauvignon, that is Cabernet Cabernet, um, and then lychee nut is very telling that it's Cabernet. So they would pass around these different cups of very specific things for certain varietals, and so you'd actually be able to smell it. Um, and it's it's a very different very different thing and that's i'm totally getting off i'm also getting some lime too i love lime mm, there's yeah i get that citrusy mm -hmm. some pineapple there too did you get how, like how thick how thick it is and just how fruity it is yeah, it uh, it's you know it sticks around. Yeah, it does. It is a lot of character. It's a lot. There's a lot of, and <laughs> I you know I'm I'm even getting that like beefy thing that you were saying before. Mm. Almost like a. I, I hate to use the term because it sounds awful, and a lot of terms that you use to just describe things sound awful sometimes <laughs> that you want to use it has like this almost like de like decaying like 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 you said like fall leaf yeah. kind of thing like decaying plant kind of thing to it which is not a bad thing until you actually describe it to someone <laughs> they're like oh what <laughs> yeah there's the like so I think on the last show we were talking about Cahors, like the Malbec yeah. from Cahors, where, you know, I was saying that this one gentleman from Cahors took a jug with, filled it with Malbec from Cahors, like halfway, and then the rest of the half, he filled it up with water and there was no, no pigment change. Like the pigment's so deep that it's just like dark black, you know, like, yeah. and, um, and so, oh, there's some been cohorts that I've had that you, I can only describe it as horse manure and spoiled milk. Whew. And it is amazing. <laughs> and like that's, but that's like, how do you describe, how do you use those terms Yeah. and explain to somebody, no, 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 no. That's a good thing. You sound like you're fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because yeah. you're describing something that is totally just gross. But in the but when like in the moment when you're smelling it as a wine or something like it just comes together and it's amazing. <laughs> it's totally weird. Totally weird. But I'm yeah, not, I totally I disagree. <laughs> yeah, I think you got that decaying kind of plant thing going on. Almost like because we grow, we grow chives. Yeah. Because, I mean, chives just come out every year. You don't have to replant it. Right. We got pots. And then you realize photosynthesis, photosynthesis is starting to happen because, all hey, the chives are starting to grow. Mm -hmm. Or even in February when you get that little burst of heat that eventually just backtracks. <laughs> yeah. After a week, you're looking like, oh, great. It's, you know, mid-February. The chives are starting to grow. And we know that it's it, they're just going to go back to being the way they were <laughs> as March and, and April come in here because that's the way it is. Things don't get warm up until 
we get we get that February warm up, and then things don't get better until like mid May now. That's the yeah. way things are around here. Um, but um, but yeah, it, it's almost like that that smell when the chives get t- start to turn yellow. Mm-hmm. When they've they're they're kind of going past there. Yeah. Their due date. Yeah, I like it. There hasn't been like really. I mean, all the wines, like we were saying, like all the wines, well, all the wines that we had have pepper. Like we haven't had a single one yet that has been just like, what is this? All mm-hmm. of them have been really good. Oh, now, yeah. first, now, first of all, I like you know I research to kind of make sure that happens, but I haven't been surprised yet. <laughs> Like, you know, I don't want to have a bad, bad wine on this podcast, uh, but we haven't been surprised yet where we opened one up and we're like, uh, I'm not into this one. No, these have been really good. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so this is fuller bodied, nice and thick white wine. Juicy, Mm. a lot of lychee, pineapple, I got citrus, like the lime peel. Yep. I love the nose. I love smelling this. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not much more to say about that. Uh, Orbilus, this is another one. So, oh, you know what? It's You know what do you say about it? The name of it. Orbilus. Orlick is the name. Orlick. Yeah, we didn't even mention the name. Orbilus Orlick is the name. Mm-hmm. Um, so Orbilus is the winery, and Orlick is the name of the wine, and it's 100%. Sandisky Miskit, um, and uh, that's that's a really good one. I think that's another one that uh, for something different. Mm. I think uh, you know the the Maverick, and this one is something to, to you know to open up for something different. You want to try something different? Try yeah. those. Something different from Bulgaria that is unique to Bulgaria that you're not going to get from anywhere else. In profile and flavor, um, it is something that you're not going to get from anywhere else other than Bulgaria. With two grapes that you can only find in Bulgaria, or just mostly. I mean, I don't. Nobody's planting Maverick in California, right? Um, but in in the other one, if you want to try something from Bulgaria that's more of that style, yeah, like that that style that you're used to, um, then then you you gotta go with the the rossidy reuben yeah uh, that rossidy reuben is whoo man that's that is so good it gets you yeah um excellent stuff um so i gotta thank uh let's see christova family partners thank you very much christova family partners thank you guys this was great I hope we can do more with you guys. Uh, you know, maybe we'll do maybe we'll do another one of these. Yeah. For you know, um, get in contact with you guys. Maybe we could do more Bulgarian wines and more independent stuff. Maybe we can continue. Maybe we can continue the. Uh, you know, we can go on to Divinity Number Two, and we could do. Um, the uh, what's it called there? Number Two. <laughs> yeah, more of the authority. <laughs> the authority. I, I don't know why I keep forgetting what it is. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I'm like, what? 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 What was the one? 
Oh, there it is. I'm like, uh, I, can't, I don't know, man. Uh, I'm out of sorts. All right. It's all right. It's cool. It's all right. It's okay. All right, man. So that's it, dude. All right. Well, it's time to go to bed. Till next time. Till next next time. Thank you so much. And you take care, man. All right. Cheers. Go.